I'm Alex. And I'm Adam. And this is Bropium for the Masses. Hey everyone, and welcome to Bropium for the Masses, episode episode I think that's uh, episode thirty-five. Let's go, let's go with that. Um, Adam, how are you? It's been a fortnight. No, it's not been quite that long, but it's been a it's been a minute, bro. How you been? Yeah, it's I've been good, man. I mean, I'm currently trying to grow a mustache, failing. I see that. Um, I thought you had just yeah. failed to shave a little bit, but it turns out that's on purpose. No, it's uh, it was um, it was a uh, a personal challenge. I like to challenge yeah. my my ego every couple yeah. of weeks, and ultimately give myself the opportunity to look like a jackass more so than normal. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I think um, you know what, Alex, when it's, you set goals for yourself and you and you hit them, really, you got to give yourself a little reward. And I think. I'm looking pretty silly with this peach mustache so, on my lip. My iPhone says it's February, not November, but that's okay. Like, yes, I you know practice, practice, practice uh, is what. Yes, you got to practice. Says. Says. Yeah, yeah, you got to put in the. T- you miss Alex. Yeah. You miss. You miss a hundred percent of the mustaches you don't grow. Okay, really? that's true. That's the, yeah. If Plus, you put in ten thousand minutes of mustache growing, you're gonna be a pro at mustache yeah. growing. That's. Uh, really, yeah, Alex, much really like getting going to the gym and lifting heavier weights, you can't like start lifting heavy weights until you try to lift heavy weights. You can't just grow a mustache unless <laughs> you true. start growing mustaches. <laughs> unless true. you're of like and any, you know, any descendant of non-Swedish whiteness that I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it turns out the whiter you are, the harder it is to grow facial hair. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't well, get that we, gene. I sadly have the gene, but I grow more mustaches on my neck and back than I do in my face. <laughs> oh, it's oh, uh, the, on my the shoulders. Back mustaches have started. Oh yeah. my! God. They're just. Yeah. I, this is like I have this wispy cape. That I have to wear around under my shirt all the time. Yeah, of just that's exactly it. Fluttered hairs that uh, I'm too. I, I've too high pitched a girlish scream to, to wax it. So I'm never gonna do that. It's it's strange because it's like you turn thirty, and then all of a sudden you're like, what? What was this coming out of my shoulder here? And it's like, oh, it's a freaking hair growing out of my shoulder. What the fuck's this about? That's kind of weird. And then yeah. you know, it's forty creeps up on you. And you're like, what the hell's that growing out of my ear? <laughs> it's like, a single black hair growing out of the, you know, out of the, out of your ear. And you're like, where the hell did this come from? How long has this been there? Have people seen this? Have they been talking to me and noticed the hair? And then they didn't say anything, or but they're but they're secretly disgusted. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes to all of that. So yeah, um, people yeah, it's, it's super weird, man. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's like just tell they me that I you. have that long hair hanging out of your nose that <gasps> needs nose. to be plucked. Yeah, it's just like say something, say Boing. fucking something, man. The friggin' violin like string yeah. just poking <laughs> right out, and you're just like, it's basically oh, a horsehair like paintbrush. You probably go for like you know fifty bucks a, a hair if I was gonna make very very fine tipped <laughs> paintbrushes. 
but I'm not. I'm just trying to talk to you know my accountant, trying to do my taxes, and I got this friggin' just straggler hanging out. And it's not like it's never like a non-noticeable direction that it's pointing. It's never like linearly with your nose bridge downward. It's always no, like it's a curled. straggler curled yeah. and like lightning totally. bolting out of your friggin' nose. It's, <laughs> it's right. the worst. Yeah. yeah. Or when you, I don't know if you've had this experience yet. I mean, like again, you're ten years younger than me, but you you just you know, you brush something away from your eye eyebrow and you're thinking, what the hell is that? And it turns out it's a two inch eyebrow hair. And you're like, what the fuck? Where the fuck did this come from? How long has this been here? Has it been, you know, did it at some point, was it up or down? And someone saw this singular eyebrow hair that's like, you know, I, anyway, it happens. It's, no, look, it's going to happen to you. Keep your eyebrows trimmed. That's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. In your defense, I sometimes, so I didn't notice that, I didn't notice I had, I just thought I had like a good, clean, crisp eyebrow, like a real, a real solid top and a real solid base on these eyebrows. Yeah, no, it turned out it was just several two inch long eyebrow That's hairs it. that were basically <laughs> framing the edges of my eyebrows. And at, at some point I realized, I'm like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I can't cut these. And my girlfriend's like, Adam, you have to cut those. Like, You'll have no eyebrows. Like, yeah. But I'm like, if I cut them, A, I have no eyebrows. But also B, things are going pretty good for me right now. And <laughs> these could be the source of my power. So if I cut these yeah. eyebrow hairs, so that things might start it. to be going pretty bad. You don't mess with your yeah. eyebrow hairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trimming your eyelashes. Just just take, take a step back. That's my worry. Yeah. You know what? That's true. Um, you know, I just found out that women love to have really long eyelashes. I don't know if you know about this, but um, Crystal's very jealous of eyelashes. I have quite long eyelashes and she's using a serum to grow her eyelashes longer because that's a thing that women do. <laughs> they just women do the craziest shit. That's the craziest. And that's one of them. Yeah. She puts a st- uh, stimulant. I don't even know what the hell it is. It's probably, I don't know. Human like growth hormone. hormone. It's probably HGH mixed with rhino horn or some bullshit. <laughs> you rub it on your eyelids and it's a serum. Well, anything in a serum must must be good. Um, and it's like essential oils. Is, 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 yeah. <laughs> serums. What do, you, what do you mean I can't drink essential oils directly out of the bottle and then go into liver failure? I don't, why? They're essential. I don't know why. It's in the name. Anyway. Yeah. What are you drinking? Okay. So a rare one today. I got a, a, little, mm-hmm. a little double fizz. I couldn't decide. So my hawking drink is actually going to be just a simple bourbon on the rocks. I'm drinking mm-hmm. some, just some bullet, Bu- real simple. Bullet. I was going to say, I knew it's bullet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a bullet man. Real simple. On the other side, I want to say my argument drink is actually going to be a, um, a, badger fernet, a fr- oh. I wish it was badger milk. <laughs> wow. Damn it. Just right from the teat. <laughs> I really thought I was I was on top of that one, but you don't, no. You don't no. you don't milk your own badgers? You're not yeah. you don't even milk your own badgers? <laughs> to milk a badger. <laughs> you, you badger milking son of a bitch. <laughs> Bro. Look, if you milk a badger, if you if you attempt and complete badger milking and you end up with some milk of badger you are a legend you're a fucking legend yeah bro. Uh, you're legendary yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You, hella bad they're they don't you can you can hang up your crown yeah you're like yeah. you're 
you if you ever wanted to you know do it again i mean i i recommend next time buying female badgers but hey if you can milk a badger honestly <laughs> like, we do have this before about like what is a man i'm a real man can milk a badger that's it that's, yeah. the, that's that should be the that's just yeah. be the clinical definition as well as the societal definition yeah. of a short what a man list is. too yeah. teddy roosevelt is. nick offerman <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second wait a second nick offerman in the last of us have you oh my god are you it, i know it's you mean the best love story ever told <laughs> i was gonna say this is like even when nick offerman plays a, like a, a gay man he's he's still awesome he's still super manly awesome. he's the, so he's, the, he's, power, they, he's a power top though let's be honest he's not a he's not a soft ended, bottom there they bookended a an a, a post-apocalyptic show about zombies mm-hmm. with or they they book into the greatest love story with it just a post apocalyptic show about zombies. Totally, that's, yeah. That's the best part, and it was Alex. No word of a lie. I, I I'm I don't know if you hit thirty and you just become more emotional, but every no, single episode of The Last of Us, yeah. I am bawling my eyes out. I'm just like okay. they just love <laughs> each other. So for people who don't know what The Last of Us is, what it's one, it started as a PlayStation game. So PlayStation Three, I believe, the first. Last of Us came out on PlayStation 3, and it's ostensibly about, um, you know, Cole's notes. It's about a fungus that um, takes over the brains of humans and then... Cordyceps fungus. It's cordyceps fungi, anyway. It takes over the brains of humans and turns them into, you know, pseudo-zombies. Everything's about zombies, right? And honestly, the game itself is full of those sort of post-apocalyptic decisions that we would wrestle with, right? Like you know, the, the zombie you're killing was once a person or how does love flourish in, in, in the apocalypse or, um, yeah. how do you have a baby? So the, the walking dead sort of touched on some of these issues, but anyway, the last of us does it in a video game format. And then in the last of us Two, this, the, the sequel to this in such a way as to like, it, it, it's messed up. Like I got, I felt things in the game for, um, Ellie and Joel, like the scene, one of the scenes where Joel's being beaten up by, by some people and Ellie has to watch is like, they make it pretty brutal. Like where you feel you you're, you're in the position of Ellie having to watch Joel get beat up. So it's, it's very, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's our, uh, bell or no, not bell. HBO has done an excellent job. I think they cast, uh, casting what's his name there. Um, Pedro the guy Pascal. Who's in every, Pedro Pascal who's in everything now. Perfect, um, Perfect casting. Uh, he, yeah, he he he's honestly he is Joel. I wanted him to be less. I don't. I'm not. I'm going to use this term for now, but I wanted to be less Hispanic and a little more Midwest. Like like he's from Arizona or from Texas, which he's from in the game. He's supposed to be from Texas, but Pedro Pascal does not have a the look of a a sort of a rough rancher style Texas guy, which is kind of the character that he is in the game. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Pedro's awesome. And I think aside from the fact that I'm disgusted that he's actually dating his co-star, who is this, you know, this for playing this 14 year old girl in the, in the show. I think that the show's like, Oh, you're, you're acting like you didn't know this. Did you know? I this? didn't know this. <laughs> okay. So Pedro Pascal is dating that girl who plays, Ellie in the show like yeah he's 47 and she's 19 so I can't I can't, I'm sorry to tell people this because once you once I say that you can't unsee it in the show can't but, unsee it 
I don't know how long it's going to last. Granted, though, me, but uh, pretty good actors. Honestly, yeah. they're they're killing it. Like it's so true to the know. game, and it and the guitar little interlude yeah. at the beginning and the end, so good. Like they, if honestly, if you're not even a PlayStation fan, go out and buy a PlayStation and just play this game so that you can have sort of some semblance of like what the what the people on hbo are doing i think they're doing a really good job anyway it, we've gone far fucking even, field here even even all, i will like, hold so, on you know i yeah. will say yeah even the game movie of those video games is fantastic if you don't own yeah, a go on youtube that's right yeah, yeah go you on youtube go watch, watch the game, game movie. the game movie the people who just spend the time to turn the video game into a movie it's fantastic yeah. highly recommend they just take um, the cutscenes and they put pile them all together some of the gameplay yeah. all of the cutscenes, like and they just create they give oh, you a narrative okay. narrative plot, like a, okay. or sorry, a, f- a fully narrated plot. I forgot that, about that actually. That the people, do yeah, that. it's yeah. it's one of the yeah. best things ever. Yeah. Creator economy has created some of the best renditions. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so yeah, I do cry so, while I drink oh, and watch that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, really- I, I agree with you on the getting older and more emotional piece, and I think a lot of men will probably not admit this freely, but there, but I think that. If you're being really honest with yourself, you would, you're probably going to admit to yourself. Yeah. Uh, there's things that, you know, they just mess me up a little bit more. Like the movie Warrior. Have you ever seen this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I can't even yeah. talk about it. Like if no. I, I, if I you don't even mention the characters in the movie or anything, cause I, I can't, I can't deal with it. It's just such, it's just, yeah, it get it's, it gets you in the feels. If you haven't seen the movie right. Warrior, go watch it and watch by yourself. And don't watch it with anybody yeah. who you think may judge you, because <laughs> it's it's so difficult. Anyway, or or watch it around someone who you know is very uncomfortable with emotions and just let loose. <laughs> <laughs> just fuck, fuck them right up. Yeah, yeah. Or your wife's real pissed at you. Watch Warrior with her, and then she'll instantly yeah. be like, "Oh my god, you 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 have emotion. I love you." Yeah, just yeah. like leverage that. Yeah, uh, okay. the emotional suppression of boys throughout the ages. It's, <laughs> isn't it just paying off Classic. in dividends? Yeah. That old chestnut. Oh, that uh, old yeah. chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what are we? Oh, I'm. What am I drinking? I'm drinking. What are you drinking? What am I drinking? I'm drinking. I still actually, have another drink. Actually. Oh shit. Yeah, you do. Sorry. I fucking yeah. we went on the what badger milk tangent. <laughs> what a dick. Sorry. Here I am trying to drink my it's badger for, milk. It's Fernet. There's a big ice cube in there I can see. You got a It's for Fernet Manta and and soda oh, water. What? And it honestly, it's like it's just a it's a delightful Italian liqueur that kind of tastes like well, for all my German listeners out there, Berliner Luft. But uh, to all of our North Americans out there, it kind of tastes yeah. like the best to- toothpaste you can drink. Um, what is Fernet, really? It's, it's a bitter, almost, it's right? A, like it's, 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 it's used a, as a bitter. No, it's a liqueur. Uh, it's, a, oh. yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a, an herbaceous liqueur. Yes. This one I would drink more mint. Herbaceous is a good term for that. I like that, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's um, honestly, I don't know. When I first had Fernet, like actively as an adult, I was like, oh, man. There's just something about this that kind of punches me right in the mouth that I really like. Well, it reads as a digestive to me. Like when I, it hits my palate, it reads as a digestive, like uh, Jägermeister. It yeah. has that, I don't have the language to describe anything that I'm trying to say. But something good for the colon. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's got that sweet and bitterness that's supposed to, you're supposed to have after you have a big meal or something. So, <laughs> Alex, yeah. Alex, you're a medical professional. It's that healthy drinking that we're all that's trying right. to strive for. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, healthy right. drinking, uh, not a thing. <laughs> That's what. All oh, right, there, Canadian Senate. Jeez, two, <laughs> right. two a week. Two. A Did week? you see that TikTok video? If you're drinking, you got to drink four beer. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. If people haven't seen this, go on TikTok and look up this. You know, this guy reacts to the Canadian, the new Canadian drinking guidelines. So there's just like, got oh, it. you know, we've noticed that people are drinking a little too much in the pandemic. We've revised our um, whatever drinking rules <laughs> and regs, you know what we, yeah recommended <laughs> daily dose of alcohol and it's like yeah two drinks a week kind of thing like you people really need to slow down it's it's alcoholism is associated with literally all the worst things about life cancer you know cirrhosis of your liver um, having a good time you know, it's really yeah. it's terrible <laughs> It's terrible. And this guy reacts so negatively. He's like, it's like somebody from the CBC jams a microphone in his face and he's like, two beer? Man, you can't even get fucked up off two beer. You gotta have at least four. And it's like, bro, you're so I actually posted the video and said, tell me you're an alcoholic without telling me you're an alcoholic. <laughs> it's like, this is the problem. This is exactly the problem. Okay, anyway. I digress. Um, so, so Alex, what are you drinking? <laughs> yeah, what am I drinking? <laughs> don't do as I say. No, do it. Wait, what's that? How does that go? Don't do as I do. Do as I say. Something like do that. Do as I say, not as not I as do. I do. That's it. Um, so I'm drinking a Bonanza. Have you ever heard of this? Like the old Western show? <laughs> yes. I'm, <laughs> like I'm literally drinking, drinking racism. I'm sand and racism. Yeah. Maybe in, the, in, in the glass. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm drinking. Um, no, <laughs> I don't really know the show Bonanza that well. I couldn't even name a single actor in it. But anyway, um, as the kids would say, it was uh, made before I was born. Um, yeah. So Bonanza is a Napa Valley Cab Sav. Mm. It's actually made by Camus. Ah, the Camus, like Camus. Yeah. So look, very bougie, Alex. Very yeah, posh. Camus is kind of bougie, but um, Bonanza is like I'm pretty sure it's under thirty bucks. I think it's like eh, whatever. It's not Camus though. So if you're unfamiliar, people are unfamiliar with Camus. It's a Napa Valley Cab Sav that runs about I don't know. What would you say 105, 109, something like that, depending where you buy it. It is a not bucks a bottle. cheap bottle. Yeah, it's an expensive bottle of red wine. So Bonanza is like, you can say you're drinking a Napa Valley Cab Sav made by Camus, but you can pay one third the price for it. And that's not what I was trying to do. I actually, um, I was at this LCBO that's close to our house where the general manager actually curates a lot of the wines that are brought into this LCBO. Uh, mm -hmm. LCBO being the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Uh, you know, for people who don't know this, it's the place where you buy liquor and alcohol in Ontario. It's not like a AKA problem. the Lickbo, yeah. AKA the, the Lick fascist liquor monopoly, <laughs> AKA <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the liquor control board of fascism. For him. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so she, uh, this woman who works there, the GM, uh, I can't remember her name for the life of me right now. She said, I said, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just bored. I'm bored with the wines we're drinking. Help me out here. And, um, uh, she's like, you should try this Bonanza and then let me know what you think. And I said, oh, why? She's like, because I'm a Cab Sab drinker. And she goes, well, it's made by Camus Vineyards. And I almost thought she knew that by saying the words Camus, I would think that it's better, which is a problem with wine drinking. It's like, you drink what you like, right? But mm -hmm. yeah, I immediately thought, oh, it's my Camus. So yeah, I'll try it. So anyway, I'm drinking a Cab Sab by Bonanza or called Bonanza. That's it. Not here, we, Alex. Here, shout out to all my off-brand Dunkaroos eaters, my Kangarulios. 
um, <laughs> because they we 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 poor kids knew that you can't yeah. get Dunkaroos, but those Kangarulios with the hoppin' frosting, those are the one. That's where it's at. <laughs> that's it. I've brought a backup bottle as well because I only had like about an inch left in this class, and it is here. Two, it's a two it's beer, Alex. Two beer. <laughs> it's a whole bottle of wine. It's a Malbec to 2020 from uh, Chameleon, which is. Yeah, I'm a bit into Malbecs lately. I don't know. I don't know why. What's going on here? I might be. I might be on my period. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. So I brought it as a backup and a glass of water because we talk a lot, and my mouth gets kind of dry. It's true. I mean, our our listeners have really been commenting on your dry mouth. If you could, uh, yeah, if you could fix that, that'd be great. Too much of that. Yeah. So you're ASMR. doing two wines. I'm doing yeah. two liquors. Our listeners, wow. I hope you're doing two beer. That's that, that'll be <laughs> the trifecta. Balance it out here, yeah. The triforce <laughs> of liquoring. <laughs> um, so what are we talking well, about today? We got uh, we whew, we got a, we some, a some topics. rapid fire pitter patter of a multitude yeah. of many things. Um, for all my alliteration friends out there, you're welcome. But I think uh, I think I want to start with. Something groundbreaking, and that's going to be a terrible pun in a second. There have currently (laughs) been earthquakes in Syria and Turkey that are terrible. 33,000 dead right now. Dead, yeah. Yeah. So um, this one's just... Latest well, headline. Is there is there a place to be, people should donate, right? I guess if you, yes. there's got to be something so, going on that I don't know about. We should probably be more prepared about this, but. About donate, be, yes. Yeah. There, yeah. There's there's at least, there's probably going to be some sort of Red Cross response. There's a ton of people doing direct yeah. donations to their to, to their Turkish relatives. Um, much like, like, I feel like six degrees of Turkish knowedness, you could probably find a Turkish acquaintance who is currently promoting a charity for their families back home. A very popular uh, uh, immigration pattern to have half of like some of your family stay back in Turkey and some of your family come to Canada or or North America for that for that case. Um, So, yeah, donate if you can. The tragedy of all of this is, I think... The, the the I think the the, most, the saddest headlines I'm currently reading right now mm-hmm. that the in, the incumbent Turkish government under Erdogan is suing the regulatory body, the inspector body, and the contractors who built a majority of the buildings in the region where yeah. this earthquake happened. That ultimately these buildings were not built to a standard to withstand the earthquakes that they predicted could have and would happen in the area. So I think yeah. that's probably the most tragic headline because well, it's well sorry about among amongst 33,000 people being dead that's yeah, pretty tragic yeah. but also now scapegoats abound that's i think oh wow already scapegoated. totally yeah which i think in this situation um i think there's something that uh, we can overlay this onto something that happened in north america so um i i think that in in the wake of a tragedy everyone's yeah. looking for someone, someone to blame, blame. And I don't, and and that's, I think, very human. I think that we all, you know, you want to, um, what's the Nietzsche quote? Um, no, I'm trying to think of it. It's like, um, to live is to suffer and to find meaning in your suffering is to survive. So it's a Friedrich Nietzsche quote. So people are trying to find meaning in this amount of suffering. Why did this happen? 
why did it happen to me? I mean, maybe those aren't good questions, but it's something that people do in the aftermath of something, something terrible in you know, an earthquake. And uh, some of the questions probably could be answered by, um, I hate his name. It's Erd- I just say Erdogan, but it's what? What's Erdogan. his first name? Selik or Sedik? It's something. Anyway, let's just call him for Tayyip. He's got a Tayyip Erdogan? No. Tayyip? No, it's got a it's a weird. Oh, sorry. Recep Tayyip Erdogan. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. My Turkish is terrible. So, okay. So the first thing I noticed when I saw that the earthquakes were happening in Syria and Turkey was just the volume of buildings that were totally collapsed. Did this? Did you notice this at all when you saw? I, it, it looked like it, you know what it looked like. It looked like Ukraine and the bombings. It, mm-hmm. it, it, like whole building structures were yeah, wiped out, it, and I thought it looked like a country at war. Yeah, it was like, what the fuck's going on here? This doesn't. Why are so many buildings down? And so I did uh, again. Yeah, this is as we do before we go to do we podcast on this kind of stuff. I did a little bit of a dive here, and it turns out. Turkey and Syria, the border there, it actually lies on a fault line, a place that actually is prone to earthquakes. Did you know this? Only in the aftermath. Only afterwards. Oh, okay. I, so, okay. So, uh, again, we're all finding this out of that. So, good, good for us, I guess. Um, yeah. So, it's prone to earthquakes, which you then would naturally think, oh, okay, that means buildings and regional governments. I don't know if they have provinces or territories, but they have territorial governments, the federal government to some extent, whatever that looks like, would then create guidelines, because that's how government's supposed to work, to make sure that buildings are built to withstand some magnitude earthquake. Now, you might say, well, these earthquakes, Alex, were whatever they were, 7.8 and 7.5 magnitude respectively, which nothing can withstand. And I would say, yeah, that could you, you could be totally right on that. I'm not an engineer, and I don't know how to build buildings to withstand earthquakes. Yeah, but that okay. But then, there, but then some buildings would be standing. So I, you know, we can see that there are some buildings standing. But the aftermath seems as though nothing is standing. Like whole pancaked people trapped. The fucking worst. Of, like it's just terrible. So yeah, I thought okay. Well, this that doesn't really make any sense, right? Because 7.5 or 7.8 magnitude earthquake for a time collapses shit. Not just like 30 seconds of it, boom, build, whole building collapse, which seems to be what actually happened here. It wasn't the sustained 15-minute earthquake that rocked the buildings until they fell down. It was a little bit of shake, you know, this terrible earthquake, and then boom, buildings just totally collapsed. So, I mean, I mean, you're we're going to talk about this. What the hell happened there? What's going on? Yeah, well, so... There's um, still a lot of speculation out there, and especially since that I found that headline so depressing, because yeah, there's there's clearly um, a misunderstanding in the general public about uh, earthquake preparedness, earthquake um, preventative measures. Sure. Like when it comes to building code, hell, the Richter scale. I think there's a little clarify. If you can learn anything, people, the Richter scale is a logarithmic growth scale. So they're log log base 10, basically. So that means every number jump, whole number jump on the on the Richter scale is 10 times the previous number. Okay. Meaning so a just three, so if, yeah, oh, meaning yeah, a 3.0. Three, okay. So use it. 3.5 on the Richter scale. Jump once to 4.5. 
5, 5, 5.5, 6.5, 7.5. That yeah. is not a four times greater. That's not what that's I'm saying. I'm saying that's a 10,000 times greater oh, okay, okay, earthquake. Okay. Oh, so from one to two, it's 10 times more. 10 times and that, from, yes. And then from two to three, it's 10 times it's, more than one to two. 10 times more than that, yes. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I get so it. It's a, it's a logarithmic sure. scale. So the, the what I feel like people are like, oh, that's like, how bad is a 7.5 times like worse earthquake? And you're honestly saying like, it's basically 10 million times worse than just no earthquake. <laughs> that's sure, what you're saying. Sure. Um, yeah. Or like, oh, a little ground shake. Um, so, so I think in that, so that it's, growth, no, it's not, not an earthquake. It's not a tiny it's earthquake. Not, it's, it's no, a significant it's, earthquake. Okay. It's a significant, it's significant earthquake. So then when you, when you consider that, that's the scale, the Richter scale of these earthquakes, then you look at the, um, the, the, what, well, maybe what were the, the buildings, what were like, what were the buildings built to? If they were built f- to a code of four, like earthquakes four and below, well, then you're saying, oh, that means if there's an earthquake 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times worse than that building can withstand, oh, it's coming down. Stand? It's, co- it's coming yeah, down. Yeah. So is it like, do we only build buildings that can withstand something that is 100 times worse than what the building can take? And then think of the engineering challenge you've po- posed for yourself. Mm-hmm. Really, you're saying, I'm going to design a building that I need to withstand a an, an, an order of magnitude 7.5 earthquake. Then, as an engineer and an architect working together, you're saying, this is how the building needs to be designed. Yes? And they both say yes. Then you hand that off to contractors and inspectors to use the right materials in Correct. order to ensure that building can be built to the spec that was signed off on. That's so the way engineering why, works, as far as I yeah, know. Yeah, you... There's an engineered design with an with architect's input, or an architectural de- design with engineer input. This is how you get a building built. Mostly, most commercial buildings are engineered and architect. They have both a um, a structural component and an aesthetic component that are considerate of how long the building needs to stand up based on the conditions of the ground and the area that it's in and the wind. God, the wind skyscrapers. Okay. You, know, you know, often yeah. engineers just consider wind. So this is why when I read the headline, I'm like. <clears throat> Okay, yeah, they're looking. They're looking to place the blame. It seemed like scapegoating, though. Okay, so the BBC did some pretty serious reporting on this, and some of the newest apartments in Turkey are the ones that crumbled. Which you would say, well, wait a second, they're built with the newest technology and things like that. And in fact, modern construction actually allows buildings to withstand quakes of the seven point five magnitude. So we have actually a benchmark for that in order to create safe buildings. So I, I honestly thought, oh, 7.5, fuck, this is like a world ender kind of thing, right? Wrong. We actually have the engineering capabilities to do this. But it turns out that the Erdogan's government apparently just said, you know what? Uh, you're going to have to pay a fine for not having that building up to code. We know it was expensive to make that building to code, but you'll have to pay a fine, but that's okay. They sort of like loosen the regulations and made people pay fines rather than actually building buildings that were, that could withstand the earthquake this much. So in effect, not only did is Erdogan, well, one, I I might not make the argument he's a total asshole dictator, but he also in, in a way removed his, him and his party removed regulations 
which then killed Turkish people in this quake. So their direct actions resulted in death. And some people are calling for, when you say, like, we need to lay blame, some people are calling for them to be indicted on this, to have have a criminal trial. They well know that they were, they live on a fault line and their party. Again, this is how the, this is how private industry fails when they just say, Hey, you know what? Unilaterally, eh, it's just okay to pay the fine instead of actually making the building safe because you know what? The people who live in them don't really care about them that much. Uh, that this is how private industry fails people in our society. And I think this is a perfect example of how, um, you know, a dictator, being dictatorial and just saying summarily, oh, I'll just do whatever the fuck we want. This has led to the deaths, real deaths of Turkish people. And if I had that knowledge and I lived in Turkey, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like it'd be a Gaddafi sort of situation. <laughs> you know, it's like how many children are being pulled from the rubble here in these this pancake is... buildings? Like what this is, this is like his pen stroke is the direct result of, these buildings collapsing and your child being killed or entombed for days and days on end. So there's not a super direct link here, but there's, there's the insinuation that his party has really um, loosened regulatory laws and building codes in favor of just paying fines after the fact. And this is the direct result. Um, These building collapse is a direct result of that. Yeah. It's funny how when you loosen regulation, that allows for a profit margin to be increased, the private company will not follow the old regulation. Eight, they, right? follow, they will always follow the minimum. Inspection is costly. It actually slows right? down projects, but it slows right. down projects so your buildings don't friggin' collapse. That's this right. is a classic case of sometimes red tape is there so people don't die. Well, you might be saying, well, Alex, this is probably a one-off. Wrong. Uh, Construction regulations were tightened in 1999 following an earthquake in the city of Izmit, which is in the northwest of um, Turkey, where 17,000 people were killed. So this isn't actually the first time this has happened. And that's what I think is like for me a little bit more enraging is that here we again, we have a government unwilling to protect its people, right, which is to me the primary um, role of government is to create regulation. It, it's our, we, we, the people are the government. So we want regulations that keep us safe. Again, it's like, this is history repeating itself. So, um, they, the, the laws in after 1999, after this earthquake in the city of Izmit in Turkey killed 17,000, they were just not enforced. They just, oh yeah, we made a bunch of laws. We just didn't enforce them. So in part, the problem, um, this is from the uh, BBC uh, headline here, or sorry, news, was in part, the problem is that there's very little retrofitting of existing buildings, but there's also very little enforcement of building standards on new builds. So where did we see this recently? That Florida condominium that basically collapsed and killed a whole bunch of people where they just had- Last year? Was was it last year or the year before? I don't know the exact, I couldn't name the exact uh, condo corporation or anything like that, but it was like, oh yeah, we just didn't retrofit. We just paid the fines or we just didn't do it. No one inspected the buildings. And apparently those buildings in Florida were rotting for some time and it had brought to, to the um, the landowner's attention and they just never fixed it. And they thought, oh, it's, it's not going to happen. And then when it happens and all these people die, they're like, oh, well, how could we have known, right? It's always this sort of... Uh, 
just bullshit by the people who are supposed to keep you safe. So I'm not saying that we should inherently not trust anybody. I'm not making that case. But I think certainly in Turkey, when it comes to building regulations, they have some serious, uh, you know, some, there's some there's some people to blame and some people are going to have to answer for this, right? So, um, you know, as compared to, again, from the BBC articles, countries like Japan, where millions of people live in densely populated high-rise buildings, despite the country's history of severe earthquakes, show how building regulations can help keep people safe in disasters. So in Japan, they have rigorous standards, which they adhere to. To, to the letter or more. They go overboard to ensure that this never happens. And again, Japan is very prone to earthquakes. So, you know, I, I to me, part of this death in Syria is not because of the earthquake. It's because of, uh, what's his first name? Something Erdogan. <laughs> By, Erdogan. Uh, yeah, Erdogan. And, uh, and then the problem is further exacerbated in my mind by the fact that he's a ruthless dictator that no one wants to deal with. How likely are people going to want to provide aid to a country that, you know, he supports, he supports Putin and, and, um, he's like other dictators in the world that like, uh, Kim that, and like he, he also maybe plans his own military coups. Um, yeah. Let's not forget that, that so, chestnut from 2017, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 my heart breaks to the people of Turkey because when we have an international disaster like this, people generally flock to, to aid. Right. But we already have the Ukraine thing going on. And then this is layered on top of it. I feel like people are aided out. (laughs) It's not a thing, but I'm I'm making it up for the purposes of the podcast here. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to get. And then how much like you saw the Syrian. uh, I don't know if you saw this big show on the news about when they're trying to get aid to Syria after the earthquake where they have they've had they have have like um, I think 17,000 of the deaths or something in Syria. So it's just as bad in Syria as it is in Turkey. But they made this big show of like five trucks and the contents of the back of these trucks with drone footage showing all this aid going into Syria. And I thought, that's not aid. Five transport trucks is not. It's a whole fucking country, man. Five transport trucks. That's like I worked at a company in the city where we unloaded five transport trucks a day worth of material. And they were more full than those five they were showing us. So again, like how much aid is being able to get into countries where uh, like Bashir al-Assad or Erdogan are the dictator leaders here. I, I I just don't know. I don't know what's, I, I feel bad for these people, but what do we do in these cases? How does the international community respond to these guys treating their people like shit and then blocking them off from the rest of the world and not accepting anything? I, I don't know. I, I think it's a very complicated situation. 100%, 100% complex. <clears throat> I will start off by saying, Fines make for crimes that only the poor can commit. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they're just taxes on the rich. Like that's, that's right. That is so, well said. That companies, well said. companies ultimately will do a cost-benefit analysis of like, boy, oh, what's the fine? And then what's the cost of us doing the mandated thing? Oh yeah, don't do the. Ma- we'll run the fine. The fine. It's oh, it's only ten thousand dollars every year for the next fifty years. How much is the retrofit? Two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. We got time. That is how quick <laughs> those decisions get made from a financial right. perspective. That's right. Because yeah. it's all uh, it, it it's uh, the the quantification of human life, and in that case, it was well, human life is worth less than two million, just over ten grand. Um, I feel like this is that um, what's that uh, Fight Club movie where Edward Norton is like, 
what is the cost of the recall versus the number of people who will die from the vehicles malfunctioning? And it's yeah. like, well, if the price of the lawsuit is less than X, then we, we don't do a recall. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how why, they do it. Why recall exactly. the seatbelts? That's like, right. Why, yeah. why, why, oh, this teddy bear, uh, if it gets too close to a flame, becomes a molten ooze that can burn <laughs> your baby. Oh, sorry. Well, we we did ship like 50 million units. Recalling those is going to be very expensive. But, you know, like 10,000 burnt teddy bear ooze baby kids. Like, <laughs> what is that? It's like it's like 10 million, 50 or 50% of that's going to the lawyers. So 5 million will pay it out to trip it up across the 10,000 people. They'll get like, you know, $839 a piece. It'll be great. Um, right. So, it, oh, I'm sorry. Case in point, Tim Horton's monitoring people within their app. Oh well, yeah, we have been we've been monitoring your location without your permission for an extended period of time, which Don't is against the law in Canada. Which is against yeah. the law in Canada, by the way. So yeah. they they the CRTC, uh, you know, they they found it out. They they had a lawsuit against them, and then guess what they paid out, Alex? <sighs> Almost nothing, as compared a free, to the- a free donut and a coffee that you can only redeem through the app that you deleted Mother because they were tracking fuckers. you, and yeah. that is only redeemable within the next two years. Only in store. And so what is the data what is the data they sold worth our data worth to them? Millions. Probably? Millions, yeah, millions from an advertising yeah. perspective or a business generation. Most of those donuts get thrown out at the end of the day if they're not eaten. So it doesn't yeah. matter to them, right? Yeah. Yeah. They probably claim them as a loss anyway. Well, yeah. okay, so here's here's a staggering statistic. Up to seventy-five thousand buildings across the affected earthquake zone in southern Turkey were given construction amnesties. According to uh, this is from the BBC article to a construction Pelin- amnesty. Yeah, the the Istanbul oh. head of union. His name's Pelin Pinar. He's the Istanbul head of union of chambers of Turkish engineers and architects, chambers of city planners. So they just said to these seventy five thousand people, eh, we'll give you amnesty, meaning that you don't have to uh, update your building. Bring your building up to code. Bring your building up to code. Yeah, so just a few days before the latest disaster, Turkish media reported that a new draft law is awaiting parliamentary approval, which would grant a further amnesty for recent construction work. So I just want to like put this, make make this private industry thing. I'm, I'm, in the case, I'm making a little clear here. It's like when you have private interests affect the decisions of the government, Right. So Erdogan's government, let's assume he's getting either kickbacks or something. He You don't get something for nothing. Or just nothing, power. Right? Or just power, power. right? Like, he just gets power, more power, right? When you involve private industries in these types of decisions, they do not look out for the little guy, right? This is not about spending enough money to make things safe. It's about making money. So those are, you may say that, oh, those are mutually exclusive. I don't think they are. Right, they're 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 different side. They're they're the same. It's the same coin, just different sides, kind of thing. So, the idea that Erdogan's government was about to grant further amnesty for new construction work tells you they don't give a shit about their people. I mean, that should have been plainly obvious by just everything or, or that Erdogan Alex, says or does. But there's yeah, less anyway. less of a shit given for the people versus the economic interest. So there, there's, there's was tragic. So it's like, oh, we give a shit if they eat but when a new well that's consumption right we need them to consume yeah Yeah. we need them but if we build a new if a new building developer comes in and says like hey like these i'm really trying to build this building but your your regulations are really bogging me up 
you could just loosen those. Actually, you know what? Let's use a fun, let's use a nice freedom sounding word. Something yeah. that's charitable. Can you provide me with regulation amnesty? That's I mean, it. Alex, all I want is amnesty. I would love a grace period. Yeah, you're, that's for, actually, you're making a good point about that. An, yeah. an on, an, I'm looking for an onboarding period. You know, some type <laughs> of, you know, I want to call it a, um, what's it called? Uh, when you first get hired onto, onto a new employer contract. There's, it's not just a grace period. It's like a probationary. I'd love a probationary period where I can really take these regulations and look at them, proceed to wipe my ass with them. And then I'm going to come back and ask for an extended, like an extended mm-hmm. period of probation, please. So here's the st- more staggering statistics too I want to deliver to you. Um, so the same report that talks about the number of buildings that are like, probably don't mean reg- regulations, says that something like, 50% of buildings in Turkey, so in the country, equivalent to almost 13 million structures, were constructed in violation of regulations. That's a significant amount of violations. That's not like, can you imagine this as a, as a Canadian headline? It's like, um, builder builds 100 buildings in violation of Ontario buildings, building code or, or see Cal or Albertan building codes, 100 buildings would be like, people would be in the streets. We would be asking for this. We'd be hanging this builder, right? Like, yeah. or, or I don't know, depending on the government here with Jason Kenney's government or, or Rob Ford's government, uh, or it's actually not Jason Kenney's government anymore, but conservative governments yeah. might say, Look, people make mistakes and whatever the case is. But still, if we had a building collapse in Ontario, it would be, uh, uh, this would be uh, insane. It would be totally fucking insane, right? If in Canada we had a building collapse. Do you know how hard it is to put that rebar down first before you pour (laughs) the concrete? (laughs) Right. Like, it's like heavy. And you gotta it's lift it and so move it heavy. from A to B. Yeah. And totally. like you gotta like yeah. you gotta like make it it's like a it's like a pre-structuring the structure. It's super. If you just pour yeah. the concrete, Unreal. Be fine. 13 million concrete buildings out. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um so on that note, I will also say, Alex, don't worry. This will never happen in Canada. All we do is clear cut, you know, large swaths of the forest just west of Hamilton so that we can provide developer contracts to people that attend our daughter's Stag and does. That's that's, that's entirely right. that's, no know, big deal. That's no how we do deal. it in Canada. We yeah. like our cronyism upfront and personal. <laughs> that's right. Not green belt. Behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> like none of this. None of this. Like oh, we'll give it twenty years to finally become a problem. Alex, let's let's just commit the scandal today. We'll deal with it this weekend. We'll have a new I'm, scandal by next Thursday. I'm not trying to to catastrophize here, but if anybody wants to point to why private industry. Um, and their influence in the government may lead to things like building collapses. Look no further than Turkey. Look no further. Look no further than Ohio. Yeah, or Florida. Or, you know, there's probably tons of examples of this. But the idea that the government should engage the private industry because they know better and they can get it done, you know, vis-a-vis healthcare in Ontario, I just think you better take a second look at what the motives are, right? What is the motivation for Turkish builders? It's money. It's money. It's not, we want to house a million people by 2050. They're not like, we we love housing people. We want more uh, Turkins, no, Turkish people. Turkish people? Turks? 
Turks. Fuck. Uh, I don't know why that wasn't obvious to me for me for right there, but we want more Turks to be homed. We want to home more Turks. That is not what private industry does. They don't give a shit about homing anybody. They care about money. So if my, if nine times out of 10, the, the honestly, the answer will be money here. And I think that people need to think long and hard about privatization and the, the, the public sector, you know, skirting the law or having too much, too much influence on government. So that's just kind of why I brought this up, but I do put my, you know, again, my heart aches for the 33,000 people dead in Turkey is crazy. The number of families will be affected and, and, um, just one thing I did notice, maybe you can react to this. It's like the buildings collapsed, but these Turks are out in force. It doesn't matter who they are. They're out in force. They're digging through rubble. They're finding people. They're celebrating when they find a child or a person alive in there. They just seem to love each other and they're just really coming together. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, like suffering somehow creates like yeah. we sometimes need to suffer a little bit or go through like a, a tragedy in order to like realize the value of our, our neighbors. And in this way, I saw that like I, I wish I sometimes wish for that, that like my coworkers or my um, friends or not my friends so much, my coworkers or just Ontarians or Canadians in general, we treat each other like we valued our lives that much that when we, you know, pull this child from the rubble, we're all, everyone's celebrating and cheering and crying. And it's like, yes, we saved one life. And that's really what matters, right? So I wish we had this attitude and, and I, I'm, 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 I actually gives me hope about fucking people in general that i see this doing some like heartwarming news do it go for it so like south korea is like a sister country of turkey because during the korean war there was a turkish military unit that built a school for turkish orphans and this created a a strong diplomatic tie since the 50s that Turkey and South Korea have just had this really like strong diplomatic tie because South Korea has always been very thankful for Turkey playing, being a human Hooked basically. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, being a total bro during the Korean War. What happens? Turkish, uh, Turkish earthquakes? Korean like firefighter units are going to Turkey to help dig people out of the rubble because South Crazy. Korea are, is just like, hey, we didn't forget. We're there for you, bro. Like that's yeah. their strong diplomatic tie, regardless of incumbent governments over the years. Yeah, that yeah. is the thing that has stood the test of time. It was well, it's about people. It's not about the government. It's, it's about, about people. people, right? Yeah, it's yeah. about the people. If you ever need help, give us a call. The that's cool. the story we like it's the tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy. But the story we need right now is just like look, people suffering and people wanting to help. Oh my god, it's. It's cross-border. It's not political. It's apolitical. It doesn't matter where you're from, what languages speak. Really, two languages that are incredibly difficult to reconcile with each other is probably Turkish and South Korean. Both phonetic, I believe, but still pretty hard to like one-to-one that one. No, they're Um, not. (laughs) (laughs) Germanic overlay there. It's like, no, no, no. Separate, both, different. Actually, weirdly, I think both languages were invented by a single person. But other than that, like that's you know, still uh, there's a matter there that's like, holy shit, they, they came out in full force. Um, yeah, I, I feel for you, man. And, and it's gotten to the point now where I I can't watch any more like any any social media around people getting dug out of the rubble now because mm, it I is know. now. I'm just like mm. I am, um, I am like tragedy fatigued. It is it's yeah. tough. It's I hate as a as a person who works in healthcare, I get yeah, it. <laughs> I guess you would you would know this. Yeah, I get it. I have 
almost no fucks to give anymore about a lot of things. You know, it's very tough to empathy takes a lot of work, right? Empathy is we call it. Um, um, oh my god, the word the term just left. It's like a it's like a moral burnout, a moral fatigue, moral injury. That's moral what fatigue. it is. We have yeah, we have moral, moral injury. injury, right? So it's like we've just we witnessed so much stuff we cannot fix. We be we come become injured. Because our, our morals are, we're going to help everybody, right? Um, I think, and that's I think, so the Turkish people are doing. We're just trying to help everybody they t- possibly can. But the realization that there's just some number of people they're not going to save, that creates moral injury. And I th- and a lot of healthcare workers and people across the province who worked during the pandemic, they're going through that right now. So that's it, that what you're saying, you know, you get this like fatigue, that's kind of normal. That kind of comes, that's par for the course, essentially, I, um, when there's a lot of tragedy. I don't mean to digress on this one, but I have to ask, like, is that... Have you ever read a report of that, like higher in pediatric wards than emerge wards or anything like that? Like, no, it, it, it's I, very weird. Um, people, I actually gave a talk in this twenty in twenty twenty. I did a moral injury was like a more nuanced term that was like breaking onto the scene of um, in, in ter- with respect to um, healthcare workers. And I gave a talk to a York University class. It was a sociology class about about moral injury and and what it what how it how it's impacted healthcare workers, why we're probably going to see more of it, and what the and what probably the solutions are. Um, sorry, what was your question? I just lo- totally lost it. Has, has this has this keep this has happened more in pediatric wards versus non? No, or is it like so it tur- widespread? Yeah, so it turn it turns out that what we what happens on places like cancer and pediatric wards um, is that let's say so so okay pediatric oncology one of the specialties virtually you hear that and you go no one wants to work uh, in that right no one wants no. to work there wrong they it, people who work on on those floors like i've done a lot of training at sick kids um and talk to these rns and um and physicians electrophysiologists a lot of people who work at sick kids who deal with these kids they're like oh no like we have a great support network we all want to be here right so they don't work in pediatric oncology because it's like the only place they could work. They work because they want to work there because they believe that, 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 that cancer, you know, treatment is progressing and that they're, that they're the best people to be in that. And they're going to care for people. And, you know, they have a mission. So in places like that, you actually see less moral injury because those people really believe, look, they, there's no joke. Like, you know, that some kids who have, you know, uh, certain types of childhood cancer, those kids do not live. That's just the way it goes. So their role or model of care will be, how do I make sure that they get to live the best life while I care for them? And they take a lot of like, they get a lot of pride, personal pride and and satisfaction from working with those, with those patients. Now, I don't want to speak for every healthcare worker that works with childhood cancer kids. Like I'm just, I'm saying that in general, I could make the case that, those people work there because they want to. They yeah. don't work in, they don't go there because they're like, you know, this is the last place that I, no one wanted to work here and they just shoved me here. You know, excuse me, and I'm brand new. So that's not the way that generally goes. So those people don't get a lot of moral injury. The moral injury is actually experiencing by the people who are, have less, um, less resources, who have less staffing, who are in places where they know if they leave, they're the last ones right? They're the ones holding it together. That's oh. where you see 
the more significant amount of moral injury because the understaffed regional hospital. Exactly. That, so all of your tertiary care centers, small hospitals, small to medium sized hospitals where you have that like one or two or three good, really good emerge nurses that if like they left, like, you know, there's people die. That's it. You're just going, man, without them, this place would fucking crumble. Right. That those people are the people who are experiencing moral injury, you know, far and above exponentiating than the, the kids working in, in or, or, or nurses or anybody working in, uh, in pediatric oncology. Right. And then there's gradations, obviously I'm just, I'm, I'm using these two extremes as, yeah. as uh, in this binary on purpose here. But I think, um, you know, we saw a lot of this during the pandemic, you know, with related to moral injury and there's just people you're not going to save. So there was like, Oh, I got 10 patients. We have eight ventilators. We need 10. We don't have that many. Well, we're just going to have to choose who's not getting a ventilator. Right. So that creates moral injury. The idea that I'm going to do something counterintuitive to what my morals and ethics would hold that I should do. Right. So making a decision that is not easy to make, that's on the, in the opposite direction of a moral decision. That's what creates moral injury. So again, like it's not those tough, those places, right? Like, you know, the, the, the cancer wards, it's, it's the, it's the small, you know, emerge or it's the, um, you know, uh, level one obstetrical center that has like, you know, they don't have any resources there. And moms are coming in during the pandemic with COVID trying to deliver a baby. That's maybe 33 weeks. You know, it's like, yeah, oh. I, I don't have, you're not supposed to deliver here, but I don't have anywhere else to send you. And, you know, it's like those people are going through the worst, uh, the worst of the moral injury. Anyway, that's a digression on moral injury, but yeah. no, but I, I, I have to ask, there's, there, there's a really shitty question that I think mm. our listeners are kind of curious. Do you get any training to make that 10 patients, eight ventilators choice? Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I can answer that because I'm not the respirologist, like the, the MD who has yeah. to make that, that call. But we, I, I mean, I, I'm going to assume that most of us use the principles of triage. So I'll give you an example. Of triage? So that look, there's, there's certain times where your, um, your available resources are outpaced by whatever's happening. Right. So a good yeah. example is, um, this is the sort of the, the, the paramedic, um, you know, worst case scenario. Um, this is a scenario that many paramedics would have received in, in school, or they've heard about this scenario and it's like a sort of a trope in paramedicine. So it'd be something like you're on a golf course and I don't know why you're on this golf course, but you're on this golf course and lightning strikes a tree and it's just you and your partner and you have one defibrillator, right? Um, you have the lightning has struck the tree and the people in proximity to the tree are dead because of the way lightning travels to the ground and how lightning affects you when you get hit, by it, it stops your heart. Um, so you have three people dead. You go, okay, well that, that this is already difficult. I got three dead people and I only have one defibrillator. Okay. And then as the scenario goes, it's like you have a mother, <laughs> She's 34 years old or whatever. She's, you know, uncomplicated medical history with her 10 year old child. And you, then you have this 65 year old male golfer. The three of them are dead. Which one do you put the pads on first? Right. So this, this, the, and, and you may think, well, this is a terrible scenario. This would never happen. It's like, it's not about it taking place. It's about decision-making based on pathophysiological principles and 
resources. You you only have an uh, you have a limited number of resources, right? So then they tell you something like, "Well, you only have two sets of pad. One is pediatric and one is adult. You know, who are you going to put it on?" So you have to make this decision. Now it, it runs contrary to your morality. Your morality is like, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to save all of them." It's like, "No, no. I've already told you you only have two sets of pads. So you can put." the pediatric set on the child, which you would obviously do. And now you have to take this adult set and you have to choose, is it going to be this, this, you know, this old man, or is it going to be this young mom? Right? So, and then what, why you make the decision matters with respect to the physiology of being older versus younger and things like that. And then your assessment of the patient, when you look at them and how close they were to the tree and like, you know, starts to unfold in a way that gets a little like, well, uh, I want to save them both. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not saving both. You have to make a decision. And people get really hung up on this, right? Like they, I've heard uh, students answer things like, well, I'm going to take the pads and I put them on the woman first because she's younger and she has a kid there and I'm going to shock her. And then I am pull the pads off and I'm going to run over and I'm going to restick them on the guy. And it's like, that's, that's not the way pads work, but okay. So, so you get, you hear many variations of how people are going to use their limited resources and what the, the scenario is designed to do. It's like, honestly, it's like the Kobayashi Maru. If it's Kobayashi Maru. I was about to say it's Kobayashi Maru. Too. It's about losing and it's about being okay with the idea that you may lose something. And a lot of students like, they, they fucking can't handle this. They don't want to answer in uh, one direction. So, um, and w- what you should say is, Look, you're going to have to go with the, the the child and the mom because the likelihood that she will survive is actually greater. So her ability to get shocked, then leave the hospital, not on a ventilator and in a coma, is actually better than the older guys. And you find out some of their comorbidities, like as all the older guys and alcoholic or whatever. You could you mess up the scenario in any way you want, but it's like you have to be okay with triaging your resources. And this happens all the time. You know, I'm a good example might be, and you know, I, you know, I'm not bringing it up as a, you know, to to make any fuck anybody up, but it's like when the Humboldt uh, Bro- uh, Humboldt um, team there got smashed. That Humble, bus, Humboldt Broncos, got hit Broncos by the transport truck. Hit by bus. the transport truck. Okay, so I don't know how many players are on the team. Let's assume there's 25 players. Okay, that area of of where was it? Where was this? Where did that happen? It was in. It was like in Alberta. Middle of nowhere, it was middle of nowhere. It doesn't matter. Wherever it happened, that number there's not that number of resources there. So there was a there was some people, some of those players, where a crew arrived, paramedic crew might have arrived. They have a defibrillator. Their own they have to make a decision about who is the most viable. And we call you know, uh, there's a we have something called an MCI kit, multi, multi-casual incident kit, and it has tags in it. And you may think this is kind of bad, but the tags start at like green, yellow, orange, red, black, right? So we, you know, we use these, this term black tag to mean that per, I cannot save that person. They need a surgeon right now, a trauma surgeon right now. I got to move on to somebody who's in the, in the red. I have to leave them. And those people can be anybody. They could be, might be the, a kid that's been uh, has open cr- an open cranial vault fracture where you can visualize some of their brain. That kid's a black tag. I don't care if they're eight. They're, if their parent is mostly alive or slightly less dead than they are, that's the person I got to go to, right? So you got to make tough decisions like that. And those type of decisions create moral injury when you're when the whatever the crazy shit that's going on exceeds your resources, 
you have to use the principles of triage. Some people cannot be saved. That is just the way it is. And it's not your fault, though, which I think is maybe the crazier thing here with respect to moral injury. It's like, I didn't cause this accident, but you feel responsible nonetheless. So that is the sort of the crux of moral injury. So to bring this back, to bring this back, thank you for that description, by the way. I'm sorry, there. My bad. No, no, no. That was educational and terrifying. And ultimately, I have a little more faith in humanity, but ultimately I'm sad. Sadder but wiser. Um, I think I think this kind of brings back, this kind of ties it up in a neat little knot. There does not seem to be the vulnerability to moral injury in mass private sector decision making nope. that there is as boots on the ground. Yeah application of any well even builder or aftermath like that's kind of it's actually generals versus infantry like there is that disparity of understanding you don't know what life is like in the trenches anymore and you haven't been educated on the mustard gas like you have no idea so what are you going to make you're going to make calculated calls that have no consideration for moral injury and they're ultimately going to be to a benefit that you arbitrarily define Versus one that's defined by the humans whose lives are ultimately well, affecting. Well, is it arbitrary? I mean, it's money. Like, mo- again, I think it's nine times out of ten, money is going to be the thing you lean on here. It's like, okay. or, or in your shareholders, right? Like, it's all about, um, you know, it's funny. Chris and I were kind of watching Avatar to, we're, we want to go see the new Avatar movie. I forget what it's called. But um, we we're going to watch Avatar in preparation for watching the new one or the new one, seeing the new one. So remind ourselves of the cases. And I, there's a part at which uh, Giovanni Ribisi in the movie says, look, you know, sh- the press on people of killing all the natives on in Pandora here is, is bad, but you know, what's even worse, bad, sh- bad, bad quarterly earnings. And it's like, that's the way they think. That's the way the private industry yeah. thinks. It's like, yeah, bad headlines are bad, but you know, what's even worse losing money. And I think that that maybe so I don't think so as it's, it's as ubiquitous maybe is maybe your or as um as um e, as arbitrary. as as arbitrary as you're, as you're making it yeah anyway Man. well I mean <laughs> moving on to I want to say I guess you know happier topics so another <laughs> yeah. police in police shooting has uh, caused the death of a young black man Alex thoughts uh well what day is it. Like, I mean, is it yesterday or today or uh, yeah, it feels probably, like it happens yeah. too much, right? Yeah, it happens too much. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Tyre- I, let his I name be known. Ty- this. Yeah. Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols. Was, yeah. 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 Was shot and killed by American. <laughs> no, he wasn't shot and killed. Sorry. No. Oh, wait. No, he wasn't shot and killed. No. Yeah. No. Oh, I, I, uh, okay. That's when I heard that Tyree Nichols died. I assumed it was, this is, I'm glad you did this. I'm glad you said this because what you've just done is say that your intuition about hearing that a young black man was killed was probably that he was, he was shot and killed by cops. So you've just demonstrated this sort of like apathetic nature to that news that people have, you know, they're probably like, well, probably shot by white cops. That's, I think that's like the intuition of a lot of people all the time when they hear about a young black man being killed. Anyway. He was not. He was beaten badly, very badly by five Memphis police officers. Um, Jesus. Yeah. And shooting shooting would have been more fucking civil. Oh, my God. Probably. Probably. So there's a couple of things to unravel here. One, 
it's not really clear why Tyree Nichols, to me, was being pulled over. So if anybody's watched the video, it's quite long. It's like 23 or 26 minutes long. I watched the entire thing because some people are like, why are you going to watch it? Like, it's like, um, it's kind of, it's like a type, not revenge porn, but it's, it's like that. It's like, you got to watch it. It's like when a, you see a car accident and every rubbernecks. And I thought, no, I don't, I don't view it that way. I view it as me understanding why Tyra Nichols was killed. And I think I owe it to him. And I, I think I owe it to anybody who's killed wrongly by the police to have a cursory understanding of why they were killed. Right. So I, I, to me, I was doing my due diligence and being respectful. So I watched this 23 minute or 26 minute video of Tyree Irving's or Ty, Tyree Nichols um, attempted arrest, let's say. And what it appears to me is he's pulled over for essentially being black is what it looks like um, yeah. to me. And, and again, I'm being as objective Wait, as I possibly can about being this. black in the evening. Uh, it was, yeah, in the evening. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. like dusk essentially when they went to, I, or maybe it was just night. I think it, night had just fallen. Uh, I could yeah. be wrong about that. Anyway, he's pulled over because he looks like a black guy that did something in a car, whatever. Um, so they pull driving him over. Yeah. Yeah. He's just driving. He gets pulled over and initially he's very cool. He's like, sorry, what, what are you pulling me over for? And this officer pulls out a gun. And brandishes at him and says, get, get out of your car. And he's like, what, what, what are you doing? Like what, what's happening? And he starts yelling commands at him. Now, Tyree Nichols is like, okay. Oh, and, and to, to Tyree Nichols credit, he does exactly what he's told. He's like, yep. Okay. Here's my hands. I'm getting out. I'm get I'm getting out of the vehicle. I'm doing what you're saying. And they're yelling at him. He goes, I, okay, look, I can, do you want me to do a or B you're yelling multiple things at me? I'm not sure why you're, I don't know what's going on here. I'm get, but I'm getting out. So he gets out of his vehicle and he, um, they attempt to put cuffs on him and they start manhandling him. And he's like, fuck this at this point, if I'm Tyree Nichols, like there's, okay, there's a part of me. Maybe you're going to agree to disagree with here. Uh, Sam Harris has said this before the best time to obey police is in a situation like this. Do exactly what they're asking you to do because you're going to get your day in court if you are not guilty of the thing that you are being pulled over for. You, in fact, getting involved in an altercation altercation with police and not doing what they're telling you is a way that they use your behavior as, as pretext to kill you or to shoot you yeah. or to beat you or whatever the case is. So he, Sam Harris was saying, as a PSA, please, everyone, just do what you're told because it cl- we clearly have an issue with policing in the US and we'll come back to that but he says we clearly have a problem here and it's, it lies with the police not you so you need to do exactly what they're telling you no matter what's happening Tyra Nichols did not see that episode or hear that listen to the episode of Sam Harris he was like so these co- these officers start roughing him up they're you know they're ye- they're yelling at him like really yelling at him in a way that like I could feel myself saying fuck you cop like you if they were yelling at me being who I am I would be upset about this so yeah and layer on the fact that Tyree Nichols is black and a young man he's now (laughs) like he he knows the score and again he's dead because of this he knows what's happening what does he do he squirms away and he runs from the cops because he again he hasn't done anything wrong and he's yeah. being manhead and the and these cops are trying to they're trying to arrest him and they're being very aggressive with him 
and he doesn't know what he's done wrong. So he's like, I, I, I think these cops are going to kill me. So he fucks off. And honestly, yeah, I would have done the same thing. I, was, I felt I myself wrecked. saying, run, bro. Yeah, you got to yeah. fucking run away. These guys are clearly idiots. There's nothing, Adam, more dangerous than a fucking idiot with a gun. Honestly, they're in it at cops, especially. I've been dealing with them my whole life, uh, you know, working in emergency services. I cannot tell you how bad bad cops are. They're bad sometimes. There are great cops, though. But that is not what Tyree Nichols had on this night. As to the, to the point where I falsely assumed that Tyree Nichols was shot. That is common <laughs> yeah. heuristic assumption. Clearly, Tyree Nichols knows this and says, like, mm, this is how I die. Exactly. If I yeah. had all of that exactly. leading up, lead up knowledge, I would be like, mm, fight or flight. And if I fight, I'm going to lose. And flight he didn't is a reasonable option. Yeah. He ran away. And I agreed. I, a hundred, on a balance of probability, if he stayed, something, well, something did happen. So I, I, I don't even, we don't have to be talking about probabilities anymore. Anyway. Tyree Nichols runs away. So again, if you watch this video, you can plainly see he gets the fuck out of there. And if I was as afraid as he would be at this point, I'd be fucking running for my life as well. Anyway, they send, it feels like a hundred squad cars to try and catch this guy. These five officers, I should mention all five are black because I think that, that there's something, uh, this isn't racing. This is, I'm going to come back to that. They find this guy. And because they're so angry that he ran away, they're so upset that they, that he got the better of them. Cause actually the body cam shows them running after him. And again, these guys are probably not in good, great shape. They're dying. It takes them like 10 minutes to recover from running 20 feet. They're like, <gasps> like huffing and puffing. They just cannot believe that this guy got the better of them. And now they're pissed. So this isn't the, this isn't the law. This is retribution. These five guys get a hold of them. Because again, they run him down. They, they they use the full force of the Memphis police to to corner this guy, and they find him. I don't know where, like on a street next to them or something like that. He ran away, but he tried to hide unsuccessfully, obviously. And they beat the piss out of him. And I don't mean like they rough him up. They're they are throwing haymakers at this kid in his face. They're kicking him. They're they are beating the shit out of him. And when he tries to fall down because he's so beaten up, they hold him up and continue to beat him. So just the most inhumane, unprofessional behavior by a law enforcement officer that you can possibly imagine, right? So again, I invite mm-hmm. people to go watch the video because it's disgusting. And I don't think these guys thought that they'd be, they were being caught on private security cameras that are all around the streets, their body cams, which they had to turn in, then the lies they fucking told the paramedics that got there, oh, he's, he's on something, there's something going on which is another wrinkle I'll get into. But anyway, here, when you see Tyree Nichols face, when the paramedics arrive, which is in turn, they're not paramedics in the States. They're like part of the fire department. Um, he's, he very, very clearly has a head injury. Very yeah. clearly. Right. He is suffering from being just having the literal shit kicked out of him. Um, and this is where I sort of converge. It, it you know, flows into my lane. You get to see this fire department, guy i don't know i don't know what he does i don't don't know if he's a paramedic or he's an emt or they have different things in the states but doesn't clearly it is clearly not doing a good assessment um they walk up on tyree nichols and they start asking questions like what'd you take man what'd you take and and i thought this was an interesting scenario because not only one do we have this case of 
rampant brutality by a police force and all black police are mostly black police force on this on this young guy but then we have the overlay of them telling the medics oh he's on something right so even though he was fine and again like you work when you work with certain people there's i work with a lot of cops when you when you walk up on a scene and something's happening and they say this is what's happening they're a person of authority right they have no re- real reason to lie to you. Other, other, uh, in this case, obviously, these Memphis police officers are trying to cover their ass. But it, it, you you, you kind of take what they say for granted. Like you you say, oh, okay. Like if they tell you, oh, we found an empty bottle of pills. Well, you're, immediately you're thinking it's an overdose, right? You're not thinking the cops beat the shit out of this guy, threw him around. And that's why he's acting fucked up. Well, yeah. it, it turns out that these... Um, these uh, two, I guess they're they're firefighters. Essentially, I don't know what they're 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 firefighters that are act as EMTs. So I don't know what the training is. So don't quote me on this. But um, the CNN reporting on on this is that um, the firefighters association is saying that the members were not given adequate information upon dispatch or upon arrival at the scene. So they have these officers who've clearly done something really bad to this kid, misleading now the medics. And you might say, well, is this really their fault? Honestly, probably the, it is their fault. And um, um, I I have no remorse for someone who does a terrible assessment, right? So a good example of this was that a friend of mine uh, worked in another service. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And they had this patient that was sort of, you know, you go to these scenes, you're at a bar fight, it's 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning, and you got these guys that are belligerent drunks, and then fuck you, get the fuck out of here, don't touch me, I don't want to be assessed. You've seen these guys, like, if you've ever gone to a bar, you've seen these guys around, there's like fucking just belligerent drunks, they fall down, they hit their head, they're bleeding to some extent, or somebody, they got in a fight with somebody, got punched in the face, and they don't seem to care the fact that their, like, cheekbone is is concave, and they don't care that they're, they might have a hyphema, like, or a ruptured orbit from you know punch or whatever they don't care they don't care or, or so, your, your eyeball right like orbit yes or yes you're you ruptured your you know your 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 you're you got bleeding into your eyeball and you're you look fucked up right they need stitches they don't care they don't want you to touch them they don't want to be near you they often tell you to go fuck yourself which like i'm happy to go fuck myself but i have genuine concern for a person who doesn't know that they're injured right so so yeah. it's fine you can say whatever you want to me i, I don't care i've heard it all right but but our that your job as the acting paramedic or EMT or whatever the fuck you whatever you want to call yourself, your job is to be one hundred percent objective, right? Or get as close to as to one hundred percent objectivity as you possibly can. So in the case of Tyree Nichols, I might say, did the EMTs contribute to his death? Well, they didn't help it. They didn't help him not die, right? If they yeah. take the situation much more seriously and said. Look, look at this guy's face. Look at him. He looks as though he's had the shit beat out of him. He's not responding appropriately. And even if he is an overdose, something's wrong, right? And then you have all the objective assessments. What does his vital signs say? What's his blood sugar, right? Um, is there any presence of, say, track marks? Like, you can do a little bit of investigation to say, like, this guy doesn't look like he was on drugs. Something else looks like it might have happened here. And then the freshness of the wounds and where they are. And again, uh, ob- the objective assessment might reveal this guy's got a bad fucking head injury, right? Which is exactly what he did have. He had a terrible head injury where his brain swelled up so much that it killed him, 
He had a, a, a sort of unmitigated brain swelling. And that doesn't come from like one punch to the head. I mean, it can, I've seen it happen. Um, and sort of my story, my story was that this, this other paramedic I knew went to a scene, got told to go fuck himself by this guy who had fallen or was cold cocked and hit his head. And, you know, hours later, the guy's dead. Now, is that, is that a good story? No. I mean, what do you do when someone doesn't want to come with you? Well, there's, we have, you know, legal precedents for this and we have, we have police that help us, you know, manage these type of patients. But sometimes, you know, you get told to go fuck yourself enough. People go, okay, fine. I'll go fuck myself. Go fuck yourself. Then, you know, you're going to die of a head injury later. Not going to be on me. Well, it turns out it is going to be on you. It is is going to be on you. Nichols, right? These people did not do a good assessment and they are going to pay the price. They've been fired for failing to render the care that that Tyree Nichols should have received on January 7th. So that's a little, that's a little divergence from the idea of what's happened with Tyree Nichols. I also thought immediately when I heard that a young black man had died in Memphis at the hands of five police officers, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought the police officers would be white, or at least one of them or multiple ones would yeah. be white. Dude, I did think well, this. I pulled this up because I was just like, oh my goodness, like how, uh, like how sad my impression is of this of this event that my expectation was of the the rather pathetically common versus oh this one's kind of unique it is Um, unique yeah yeah this one's a little unique but i think there is actually something a little grounding i just pulled this up because i'm just like "Mm, maybe i need to enhance the opinion here um the black lives matter global network foundation statement was that although the media has spent a great amount of time drawing attention to the fact that the police officers are black as if that is important. Let us. Be it clear. isn't. It isn't. And this is this is and this is why Black, yeah. Lives, Black Lives Matter statement is probably a little extreme, but it, it has some pretty good foundation. All police represent the interest of capitalism and impel state-sanctioned violence. Anyone who works within a system that perpetuates state-sanctioned violence is complicit in upholding white supremacy. So there's, yeah. there's something we've touched on before, as uh, like how to be an anti-racist, as well as oh, yeah. the system is actually so sick that it seems to just protect property rights and rich people and Correct. not actually protect citizens. Um, there, there is, there is a, like a biting, uh, maybe a biting like irony to all of this, that the media said, Oh great. Finally it's black officers who are talking, who are like, who are killing black people. That's great. Fine. Finally, something different that we can report on. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't, I didn't feel soulless on that. I, I I mentioned it just for the sake of us talking about it, yeah, but I wasn't like, oh, thank God they were black. I didn't think that for a second. I was but, like, but here this, we go. Yeah. You know, this is a media yeah. standpoint, though, because the media yeah. now has separate stories to spin in the name of the 24-hour news cycle because they're like, oh, great. We can finally get some expert opinions on why black on black violence and, you know, African killer bees. are. Really, it's basically just early 1990s all over again. Wu-Tang is for the children. Like this is that's right. Yeah. How how sad that there was almost a sigh of corporate media relief that they said, sweet, we're gonna run these stories. Yeah. And ultimately the the conversations around increases in funding for mental health probably got quashed. Like in uh defunding the police uh as a matter of of reallocating funds to other mental health supports is the real conversation, but defund sounds like reduced budget. And now you have increases of crime from the mentally ill, probably across all of North America right now. So even 
inklings of that discussion can't happen because you're you're ultimately getting like, well, look at all the violent crime right now, and you're like, that's yeah. you're, you're you're addressing you're addressing symptoms. I want to well, okay. I want to address let's, sickness. Let's round out that like defund the police thing. Uh, to my eye, you again react to this. Defund the police doesn't mean don't give any money to police for their budgets. It Correct. means stop funding people to beat the living piss or shoot people unnecessarily. That's that to me that's what that means. People are going to disagree with me on that, but I don't think we should fund any practice of abusive power whether it be physical uh, or mechanical in the case of a gun. I I I I see why people don't want to fund that. Now that's not where your tax dollars go, but where they do go is important. I think that people need to think about this to some extent. How much one you have to, the question should be how much are we paying police? Um, maybe in the States, this is going to be a better, um, uh, something different to think about because it's, there's not a direct comparison in Canada because we pay in Canada, we pay police very well, right? Like, Ontario Provincial Police or the Royal Canadian Mountain Police make around, I'm going to just net it here, like a general net, they're usually around the $50 an hour mark, right? And with that comes a, a, a lot of training. There's a really good example of this, and I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm going to move it back to the Canadian Army. There's the war games in Texas. Have you heard of this before? Yeah. Yeah, so they hold war games in Texas. And the, Canadian, the American military invites Canadian military down for war games in Texas. And there's one operation that they do consistently, which is you got to take a hill. You know, it's kind of like a storm in the beach of Normandy kind of thing. They put a couple of soldiers on the hill with things like sniper rifles and 30 or 50 cal rifles. This is all obviously all simulated with lasers and things like that. And then they have a certain amount, let's call it 100, of the opposing army storm the hill and see how many lives or what happens, um, you know, Anyway, Americans have failed many, 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 many times to take the hill when Canadians are at the top. And you might say, well, why is that? It's like, well, that because the training in the Canadian military is so much more robust and non-specific, where in the American military, it's very specific, right? So you're a specialist. You drive a tank. That's what you do. Well, what about... Um, uh, what about tank repair? No, no, that's the tank engineer. You're just going to drive the tank. That's all you're going to do. So when the tank driver dies, we don't know how to drive the tank anymore, right? We're in the Canadian military. Our resources are limited, right? We don't have the budget. Everyone learns all the jobs. All, every soldier knows how to do all the things. And that training, I mean, it costs a bit of more money, but it, what it does is create a, a, a jack of all trades. And, you know, again, the, the ending of that is that a jack of all trades is often better than a master of one. So let's now a lot of policing is militarized and training really matters in this sense. We saw this with all the shooting school shootings have gone on in the US where like people just didn't do what they were supposed to do because they said my personal safety is actually the most important thing here, not the person I'm trying to police or protect. That's the way it goes where I think in Canada we have a very different version of policing. We often think I'm here to protect and serve. That's the way it goes. Protect and serve does isn't just a slogan we run in our cars. It's something that you know we get a lot of training and police get make a lot of money because they are really well trained. And we tend not to have any of the things that does go on in the U.S. Now you might say there's a lot of different factors, and I would totally, totally agree with that. But in this case, defund the police 
means stop funding killing people unnecessarily or beating them to death in the case of Tyron Nichols. And if we are going to give money to the police, it means train them better and pay them well. Because a well-paying job, you can ask, I think I posted this a couple weeks ago. If you say, well, I just want some fucking idiot off the street with a GED. Well, you can pay that idiot 20, 20 bucks an hour, right? If I say I want somebody who is at least has a degree in criminology and has some military training and has ABC qualifications, we're willing to pay 45 bucks an hour for that. Well, those are the candidates you're going to get, right? So if you want any shithead off the street, pay nothing. If you want high quality candidates who police with their head and not their guns, right, who are trained, you got to pay more. And I think that that is, yeah, like you see where I'm going with this. Necessary caveats, even the Canadian police are still much better at policing Indigenous Canadians and BIPOC Canadians than they are white convoy Canadians. I'll just, there's always, there's an <laughs> much to the chagrin of much, Canadian convoy. Much to the chagrin of all, yeah, yeah. all, yes, much to the chagrin of both, I guess, Ottawa and. Okay, and, but uh, you're bringing up something different here. Okay, I want you to react to this. If the Canadian, if the convoy in Ottawa had been BIPOC, people who are BIPOC, right? Uh, black, Indigenous people of color. What convoy? Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, fair. What, you got me. You got me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mean you mean the gathering that started uh, 2,000 miles to the west yeah. that got immediately quashed and people were beaten to death? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm that just, I'm just saying, <laughs> it, you know where I'm going with this, right? My know, mind wanders into the possibilities and the possibilities of, you know, what would the Canadian government done if the, all the protesters were BIPOC? Right? What if they weren't all white Canadians? I, I just thought like, man, they got a pass, man, big time because they were all white. They got treated w- with way more respect than we would ever treat people who are BIPOC. What was it? Honestly, six, that's my feeling. Six, I, six I have nothing. Six months to prior, s- six months prior on on a, I think a, um, it wasn't a Keystone XL protest, but that's that's other ones. Yeah. Um, but it was a railroad protest. Um, in, and it was what indigenous people, in BC, Alberta. It was indigenous people uh, yeah. blocking a railroad. They were removed. Yeah, exactly. Not, right. Not like, hey, can you please leave? Not yeah, absolutely. That was, yeah, that was the first. That was the first thirty minutes. Then they yeah. were removed in the name yeah. of probably economic interest, but disturbing the peace. Yeah, or like trespassing. Like yep. there was, they found the the police are really good at finding something to make a move on in always the, uh, the time you would least want it to be, you know, inflicted upon you. If you're the, yep. if you're the perpetrator in this case, for some reason, couldn't even get a friggin' broken taillight, you know, charge out of the convoy. Like this is, no. yep. this is why yep. it's infuriating. So you're I like, agree, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, in this case, we have a we have an instance of defund the police as a oh well clearly the systemic racism exists in some way shape or form behind the scenes over here too. It just doesn't get talked about because can't I mean Canada's been super effective at freaking whitewashing most of our yeah. history. Um, yep. You know that, but, that's why so, you learn about the local tribe in grade three social studies up up until I think like 2014. Like I remember that's all the extent of the land acknowledgement I had. But well, I guess my broader point here is that while racism is still a problem in the U.S., the we have to start 
we have to go back to base principles, right? We have to go with first mover. We have a problem with policing, or I should say the US has a problem with policing. They have a problem with one, training and the candidates who go into policing. And then they have a problem with use of force. So to me, I'm, I, 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 I do not like the Tyree Nichols was killed here. Like, I mean, I don't like less lessons learned after the fact. They're never quite as good as if we just fucking learned them in the beginning before someone had to die. But again, yeah. like the Turkish building things, it's like we we have all this catastrophe has happened before we fucking learned what was plainly obvious to most people before. But I think that this proves we have a problem or the U.S. has a problem with policing and the militarization and the retribution and the candidates and the training. This plainly, obviously um, shows that, right? Because again, it, even in the case of Derek Chauvin with George Floyd, it, it wasn't even clear. Well, it's not clear to me that Derek Chauvin was a racist. It, it's very clear that he's a fucking bad cop, that he was he was power hungry and he was performing a move on George Floyd that was absolutely not sanctioned by his department. And it was all about power and about him being a little, you know, a little bitch, essentially. I don't mean to use that term, but it's, everyone's going to know what I'm talking about when I say that. It's like, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened here. These cops got outran by a guy who was terrified, who did nothing wrong, right? Because it's not even come out. Tyree Nichols didn't do anything wrong. They were pulling him over for fuck knows what reason, some stupid reason, because he's black and driving. driving a car, you know? So yeah, it's like, yeah. And then he gets, and then he gets beaten to death because what? Because he ran from them because he was afraid from his life. Well, great. You just fulfilled his fear. You just told everybody exactly why he ran was true. Like to me, this is proof positive. They got a fucking problem with policing. And I, and I thought it doesn't matter if the officers were black or white. Because again, in the, in the case of George Floyd, it didn't matter that Derek Chauvin was white. It just mattered that he's a fucking terrible cop. So I I, I, I like that. Actually, I, I don't say I like, but it, it just, I think it, sh- it shines a more focused lens on the fact that they have a problem with policing. The system is that's, sick. That's, it is. Yeah. I, it totally is. You're, and the, the statement you made about that BLM made, that is one of the most cogent things I've ever heard BLM say, to be, to be perfectly honest. But um yeah, anyway, I wanted to bring it up because I thought this is an inflection point or a tipping or whatever the point is, You however you want to describe this point. I think that's, this is a moment um, that we, and we've had lots of these moments in the last couple of years, but I think this is one of those moments that's like, yeah, things have to change. And hopefully it starts in Memphis and then it, it, there's spillover into other departments and this is the way it goes. This... We have, we got to close this out. There's no happy note to this. No, there, there is isn't. just yeah, yeah. We are the idiot talking heads showing righteous outrage at oh my goodness, the world is satisfied with uh with, with mediocrity. mediocrity and, and, yeah, and I'm glad you said it. Always at yeah. the same time. That's we good. We are so we are so satisfied with mediocrity. If not satisfied, then desensitized to yeah, to catastrophe. Totally. As in so far as to accept or be satisfied with mediocrity, there there is no. And I'm I'm even I'm terrible for this. I I like have not felt any semblance of of hope in political discourse outside of the Czech president elections in the last like year two years. The recent Czech president who was just elected is a is an environmentalist first. And then a soldier and a decorated soldier, and then a person who believes that social programs should be 
uh, extended because he sees a mental health crisis on the horizon. And then he's a person who's like, oh, we have an elderly population crisis. We should probably be training young people on how to take care of them in their old age. Yeah. And yeah, then totally. he's an entitlements crisis recognizer saying, oh, my goodness, pensions are really paying out a shit ton. I might have to have to go to the EU to put a strategic plan together to figure out how the hell we're going to pay for all these pensions for all these pensioners because we're not getting enough people in the workforce. Like the guy compounds what yeah. is effectively practical politicking. And Which, he just so happened to tie a keg to his back, hike up a mountain and drink beer with his friends to celebrate him getting elected. Like, But those problems are not man. unique. They're not unique to the Czech Republic, right? Those no, problems are actually... The China's global. having that problem. Russia's having that problem. Canada's going to have that Canada's problem in the next it. probably 20 years, right? Yeah. The U.S. is going to... Uh, I don't know. The U.S. is kind of like... Yeah, they're really they don't have health care. The there's a lot of... There's a lot of develop, developing... Yeah. There's a lot of developing nations that are suffering from population decline. And who's going to take the jobs? Who's going to... Like, what's going to happen here, right? So um, if you're into this sort of... Uh, thinking about this, Peter Zian, who's utterly pessimistic and sometimes can be a bit of a dick or very smug. Um, he does, a, a he has a conversation with a guy on Spotify that was paid a lot of money to have a podcast. I'm not going to say his name because we don't need oh, to. Really? Um, so Him? Peter Z, that's one conversation I would listen to with Peter Zian is that, you know, he paints a pretty bleak, bleak picture. Anyway, let's get off this topic. I think we'll beat this one up. I, I actually, we had some other topics. Like I want to kind of talk about the reaction to, uh, Madonna at the Grammys. I was thinking about, you know, other things I wanted to talk to you about, but um the Chinese balloon fiasco, which <laughs> Alex like balloons? everyone's fucking obsessed with the like balloon. I, I told like, you, homie, you gotta sell your balloon fooches after your birthday. Yeah, no, that's like, right. it's really it's like and then, this is <laughs> did you hear China today was like, Oh, uh the US has sent ten balloons over to our place, but um oh we're not gonna provide any uh actually any data to suggest it's like it's fucking craziness. Anyway, I don't really want to get into that. I actually want to get your blind reaction to something that we didn't really plan on talking to, but I, I think we got to talk about it. John Tory resigns as the mayor of <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> oh, slick Johnny. Ooh, his, so his COVID <laughs> mane. As a person who shaved their head during COVID yeah. and then looked over to the Toronto mayor and said in, in mumbled words, my goodness, that man should just shave his head. Oh, totally. Because he had yeah. he had somehow a mullet in the back with the Johnny Bravo up front. <laughs> it was so big. Yeah, yeah. Reckless. John Tory is the now resigning mayor of Toronto. And Alex, why did he resign? So, I, hold on. I just think that the mayor of Toronto, the bar for how well you can do, was set so low Super by... Low. By by Rob Ford, the crack smoking mayor of Toronto. What, how this guy got elected? I I, I won't even that. But is, is that the same crack smoking mayor whose brother was a drug dealer is, and is also is now the premier premier of Ontario, <laughs> yeah. Dougie Ford? That would be the, oh, slick, the, the, the very same. Um, so okay, so I'm not now one. Uh, if people don't know who John Tory is, John Tory was considered a red Tory, and for people who don't like, what the hell's a red Tory? Um, John Tory has always been considered Tor being a red Tory and his last name being Tory are totally independent here. Um, a red Tory was always like a conservative who was socially liberal, right? So 
John Tory has been is considered more of a centrist. He ran for the I think the conservative I, th- I want to say he ran for premier and lost, but it didn't matter. John Tory was as all pre- uh, failed premiers do. People who they they become mayors like Patrick Brown is one, and Andrew Horvath <laughs> is now the mayor of Hamilton. It's really it's a great way is, to like to to increase name fail name, and then name fail upwards fail, yeah yeah. 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 Well, like a little like, bit. No. Yeah. Phil Alex. upwards a little bit. Shoot for the premiership and you'll land among land, the mayors. Land in the mayor. That's it. So John Tory has been the mayor of Toronto for, I want to say. Nine years. Nine. Yeah. He, he was going into yeah. his third term as the mayor of Toronto. So again, city of three million people. They've got an operating operating budget. It's in the billions, I think. it's This is, I think it's $16 billion, their operating budget. And we're talking about, it's a major metro. It's the largest city in Canada. Let's not fuck around with that john tory on i want to say it was saturday which is a rough time for news came out and said i had an inappropriate inappropriate relationship with a staffer and i'm resigning as mayor and some people went what number one you're bro you're in your 60s like what do you mean you had an inappropriate relationship who's touching you (laughs) yeah i just okay so that was my initial reaction like yeah, uh, gut reaction. Well, you know what? A, a part of me was like, "Good for you, man. You can still, you can still rock one. Still got good. it. Yeah, yeah. He, cool. good, right. good for you. Maybe he's using something pharmaceutical help. Who knows? It doesn't matter to me. It's called um, Cialis, Alex. That's and it's right. fast acting when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the? Uh, we make tough acting. Actin uh, my my coxophalin. Have you ever tried <laughs> my that before? Or <laughs> oh, my, yeah. di- my dexa shrivelin. Yeah. So anyway. Um, John Tory had this inappropriate relationship. He went on this, did this public apology that said, I apologize to everybody involved. Why his wife, you know, everybody, blah, blah, blah. On my a abuse Saturday. Of power on a Saturday. And, and then said, I'm taking no questions and fucking walked away. So my yeah. initial reaction was again, well, you're, you're still getting some at this age. Good for you. And then I thought, hold on. He's actually being lauded as some type of a hero now. Like counselors came out saying, He's a he's a person of very high standards and quality, yes. and and I high. thought, hold, hold, hold on, he just admitted to cheating on his wife. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that it, totally squares with what you're saying. But. Infidel, yes, probably <laughs> sure. had his dong out and and ejaculated maybe into somebody in a political office in <laughs> at Queens at Queens. I mean, look, sorry, your sorry, your brain wrong. can run away with a, a multitude of scenarios here. He so. instigated someone's bare ass on his own desk in a non-medical <laughs> related incident. Like you have to think, oh yeah, yeah. he's a stand-up yeah. guy. No. So he's just a horny the, old bastard. <laughs> that's it. And honestly, I I don't, uh, there's a bunch of things I start to think again. I try to be as objective as possible. Yes. I don't know what's going on in John Tory's marriage. I don't know um, if um, the the staffer that came on to him, they don't even say if it's a woman, they just say a staffer. So I don't know if the staffer, that a staffer came on to him is yeah. male or female. Well, I, I don't know any of this stuff. So it's like, you know, I don't really have enough facts to make a judgment call on whether John Tory is a, it's a dick or not. Now, I have the one, idea that he, I have one judgment call. I okay, well, I, I want to hear this. Yeah, go ahead. My judgment call is, oh, one of two things. One, she said she was going to the press. Yep. Or two, the press knew, asked for his comment, and his got ahead PR of team said, get ahead of it. Yeah, totally. Which means yeah. that 
in this whole little dance song and dance with like the oh stand up guy you know it's good this is an honorable thing to do and yeah. like people petitioning you shouldn't step down you shouldn't step you're an elected of we can overlook it's all of this yeah, yeah. political maneuvering which milk toast john tory despite being potentially the most bland mayor that toronto has seen and we thought bland was good. We went from Rob Ford to bland. <laughs> yeah. But I think we overcorrected because sometimes when you leave mayo out in the sun, it doesn't rot and create something worse. It just dries up and becomes friggin' dust. And that is John Tory. He has done just just over nothing. Okay. For the people of downtown Toronto. Let so let me make a case for why John against the wealthy people in the surrounding Toronto area. Okay, so I might agree with that. But let me make a case for why John Tory should not resign. Okay. Bill Clinton, right? And Rob Ford did crack <laughs> on video. Oh, okay, so on. so I'm if, with if you. The is this, yeah, a, is this yeah. a resignable offense? That's right. Okay, no. so that's what we're really talking about. Is this a resignable offense? Does he have to resign? 100% so, no. Now, what I have heard, and which I might agree with, is that if you're John Tory and you have aspirations above mayor of Toronto, which I, I, I don't know, man, this is, this, this is pretty good. Like mayor being mayor of Toronto, to be honest with you, if you have aspirations above that, good. well, you have to preserve your brand. And if John Tory's brand is, I made a mistake, I admitted it and I took responsibility. And because I can't, I can't have your trust in this moment based on what's happened. I, I, I don't deserve it. I'm going to leave. That does preserve his brand, right? Yeah. Now that was that was available to Rob Ford. He didn't yeah. do it. It was available not. to it's available to um, uh, Bill Clinton with respect to um, Monica Lewinsky. He he was impeached but did not leave office. It was av it's available to every president or elected official that's ever fucked up in a way that's like very bad, and they just said, you know what, <laughs> business as usual, right? I mean, it was available to Donald Trump. There was literally nothing that would make him leave. So I on a on the on the scale of things that John Tory should leave office for, I don't think this was it. I honestly don't. I know that Andrew not Andrew Cuomo, um, what's his name? Who's the who's the governor of New York there that was accused of um Oh his his, yeah, his Andrew brother. Cuomo's Andrew brother. Cuomo's older yeah. brother. Yeah. He I mean, he was like, fuck it, I'm the governor. No, I didn't do that shit. I'm fucking staying as the governor. It's like to, to some extent, that does not preserve his brand. His brand now is the obstinate old guy who probably touched a staffer. That that's what that looks like. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I I'm 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 in, I'm half in half out about this. I think that he made a good move in preserving his brand as John Tory, the red Tory, social social um, liberal, fiscal conservative man of principle. Mm -hmm. And and again, a lot of that that people are reflecting on that saying. Yeah, I, I still believe he's a man of high principle. <laughs> it's like, well, hold on, he's a cheater, though. Like, what's going on here? But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't know to how really to feel about it. But I, it's a big fucking revelation that he's, uh, I he's think just quit. Since we we like lack a direct one to one example of a female politician doing the same, yeah, it is just like we just need that. If like if like the saintly no saints got can't even hold a freaking candle to her if the effective politician that is jacinda ardern just came yeah. out and said i'm i'm resigning not because i'm just like i'm i can't give it my all for the next four years also an incredible resignation like yeah i'm gonna snap yeah. that one out 
When yeah. you resign and you say just like, doesn't this doesn't this office need a person who's going to give it 180% because it's for the people? Cool. Yeah. I have like 90% because I am exhausted. Well, that's no, you're I'm making excited. a good point because apparently people said people said that's what John Tory gave. He literally didn't leave the office till midnight every night. He was there. He he was giving 120, 80, whatever you want percent. He was giving Alex, over 100 percent all the time to protect the amalgamated boroughs northwest not east of Toronto. <laughs> yes, you have to put in the time to make sure the yeah. property values stay really high for all the wealthy people. Of true, course. True. Yeah. But I mean, Jacinda Arter's resignation for being it's like I can't give it to you versus like a, a comparable resignation was just like I cheated on a staffer and I'm resigning in like because I don't think you can trust me anymore. A your sexual improprieties are not fireable offenses. Correct. Unless they were breaches of contract for conduct that you can perform in that office. And then it should go to some sort of tribunal. I'm sorry. Yeah. Am I yeah. the only one who believes in, in the process? Like an ethics of like, commission or... An yeah, ethics yeah, commission. Yeah, it's yeah, like, okay, sure. cool. You two are having an affair. Yep. The supply closet, did you do stuff there? And they're like, yeah, a little. And you're like, okay, on on your staffer's desks? And they're like, no, it's just yeah. in the office. I'm like, okay. Oh, so you're Was making there- a distinction between if he... F- Fucked around at work versus yes. on his own time. Those are different on his own things. Time. I, I agree with that. Because yeah. Okay. Is he not just an adult doing shitty yeah. adult things? Yeah, yeah. And his politics are probably entirely separate from his infidelity. Yeah. So you're making the case. What does John Tory's govern ability to be for good governance have to do with his sexual impropriety? And his sexual I would say. Almost, yeah. almost nothing, Which, um, but yeah. The, the okay, so when the it, argument is, what do porn stars' previous uh, work histories have to do with their political ability if they put in the time <laughs> to gain the credentials? Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Th- your your sexuality has nothing to do with the job. That's right. <sighs> so okay, in a twist of fate, John Tory has to come back as the mayor to um, uh, preside over the city's budget. Because oh. because John Tory knows and has a hold of so many of the moving parts, and because the deputy mayor, per the Constitution of Toronto, I'm just saying Constitution in this case to make it easy, cannot actually preside over what the mayor can preside over, and the strong mayor powers that the province has enacted for the mayor of um, uh, Toronto and uh, Ottawa... Yeah. The that means that now they they have to bring him back to just do the the city's budget. What, so what a he's a, he's a leader. He's got a yeah. comment. He's like, I thought I, resi- you know what he said? I resigned in good faith. You know what he said? Uh, okay, I guess I'll have to do it. And 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 I'm honestly, counselors like, thank God he's coming back because none of us were, knew what he knew, and we we uh, you know if he loves Toronto so much. That don't fucking abandon it. In it's time of need. So he's actually coming back to do with the to finish the budget proposal. So it, it's kind of a weird scenario, man. Like it's, well, you know, there's going to be earmarked budget for increased hours at most motels and 24 hour service for laundry and towels. Like, you know, <laughs> that is going to be the 1995 Joe Quimby version. That is that's it. John Tory. Yeah. yeah. I or need more towels. Oh, Yara. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's where, what show was that? Where it was Are all you old the enough? Pre- Clone High. You're talking That's about it, Clone, Clone High. High. Fucking yeah. Clone High, man. I yeah. love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I are wanna potty platter. Hey, <laughs> whoa, what's your hurry? Throw some rosin oz in there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to wait this week to see what happens with this budget oh. thing. But I, I just thought, you know what? That just happened like this weekend. It's so fresh. I had to get your sort of reaction no, to I that. No, I think That's- this is, I think if John Tor, I'd be less surprised on the Joe Quimby tear. I would be less surprised if John Tory came out in the next two weeks saying like, you know, after, you know, after having a retreat in Grenada, I have found that we should form economic ties with Grenada. And everyone's like, yeah, what kind of economic ties? And he's just like, I'm going to vacation there every year. Can you imagine? He's like, okay, uh, I unresign. I I, I fucked up. I I shouldn't have resigned. I didn't really realize that I could continue to be mayor. And bang one of my staffers and then admit it so i'm unresigning i'm still gonna be the mayor actually let's Um, have because it's gonna complicate things and yeah let's have a um one of those like workplace sexual harassment um seminars uh at for a week in muskoka at this large cabin i got you guys a big one i got myself a big one we're all (laughs) just gonna like meet and talk about workplace sexual harassment it'll be great we'll have a little caucus about it it'll be lovely don't worry honestly you know what i think is gonna happen he's gonna admit he's gonna say something like let's imagine he comes back as mayor he's gonna go i'm uh gonna start this eight-week course on Oh yeah, some fucking whatever. Who knows? He's, a, he's gonna a, he's gonna come out I'm, as, I'm, as I wouldn't yeah. go so far as sex addict, but no. he's definitely coming. No. Out as like he's gonna prostrate. He's gonna prostrate himself in a way that looks like he's being, you know, he's making amends to, you know, certain demographics. But that's gonna be a total load of shit because he's just gonna do like some online LMS or module that's like you know fucking. Yeah. How not to sexually harass your coworkers at work? It's like I, I'm pretty sure that's part of the city of Toronto's yeah. probably uh, standing operating policies, but whatever. Honestly, it's, uh, something it's really, like that might might be might be happening. It's it's sad, um, and, and I, I've my my drink's empty, but I if it was still full, I'd pour <laughs> one out. Um, it's times like these, especially in Canada, when you wish that Ashley Madison still had the advertising budget clout that they used to have. <laughs> So that they could just come out and make an ad and say, hey, John, if you'd only found her through Ashley Madison or him, it would have been you wouldn't have had to resign. That's like, right. It would have yeah, been discreet. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Oh, the advertising opportunities that Ashley Madison has right now. Oh, man. I, so it, for people it, who don't know. I, I guess I guess Toronto isn't the place that fun forgot. Well. Was, was Ashley Madison like North American or was it just in North Canada? American? I don't know. Oh, was okay. For people who don't know what Ashley Madison is, who are listening, it's um, it was a dating service for people to actually like an online dating platform for you to cheat on your spouse with. But it was supposed to be super discreet. So Ashley Madison actually made a business of cheating on your spouse, (laughs) and it was widely prescribed to you know people loved it. Yeah, yeah, big bucks. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never forget highest concentration of users. Ottawa, Ontario. Wow. And honestly, I, you know, in lieu of Ashley Madison, I've just been clicking on those banner ads that say hot MILF wants to do it near you. When there I, when are I'm, so many hot yeah. singles in my area, Alex. I know. I didn't even realize. Like, did you? Yeah. I mean, you're probably amazed by this fact too. It's like, why? Man, all these hot singles who want to bang me. I, I didn't even know this was even a thing, but <laughs> apparently it's happening. 
literally every <laughs> it, you know who knew in, in rural ontario people where yeah. hot singles are right next door like yeah <laughs> i put my ip address in friggin timmins and they're like thousands of local singles <laughs> you're like there's the timmins is the population 900 how's there thousands i don't know i feel like the math is so, bad here but yeah the one, the one i've never been my entire life i've never been able to reconcile is mm. the like the tln after 11 old uh, advertisements where it was like the hot girl on the phone it was oh like, yeah, hot yeah girls waiting to talk with you on the phone and i'm just oh, like my god what I'm is that like, viral one man it was like it's discreet it's you know who i'm talking about right that yeah, fucking guy like, was so annoying Hotline for hot ladies. Does Google does Google know what I'm talking about? I, I bet it. you. I bet you. ChatGPT knows. One eight hundred hot girl hotline at Colin dot com. One eight hundred hot girl. Yeah, these are. Oh man, I can't believe. Oh, oh my god, you know, you remember those those commercials from the nineties? It's oh, like yeah. it's discreet. Or he had a catchphrase. I, I can't remember. Some people are uh, yelling at their at their podcatcher right now. Like, <laughs> it's this. It's, it's fucking this. this. Say it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a rainy day in Pizzaville. Yeah. No. It was. Fuck. I can't remember. I just. But I could never. I could never figure out like the the state of mind you need to be in, like the headspace. And there was always like the joke. Like the classic 90s to early 2000s joke about the phone sex operator. There's like, oh, just go make a little extra money as the phone sex operator. It's it's even yep. a Seinfeld episode, I believe. But I could never figure out in my head, okay, it's 2008. I'm watching TLN on basic cable and these hotlines still exist. The first minute's free and then every consecutive minute is 55 cents a minute. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, I can't, I, there's nothing... I love it in the modern age. And I think I still saw one probably like two years ago in the age of cell phones where it's just like, do you text hot singles then? So it could just be an old <laughs> fat guy on the other line. Because <laughs> like, who wants to hop on a call with a stranger Listen, and then be like, it, what are you wearing? And they're like, this, what are you wearing? I'm like, sweatpants and a dirty t-shirt. Like, there's nothing. Okay, but you're, but okay, you're speaking from the place of a man who has had intercourse yeah. with a woman. That's the yes, difference here. Right? So, like, I remember I have, if you, Alex, yeah. I've gotten to at least third base more. <laughs> You've than had. Once. <laughs> it's not like that little Britain skit. It's like uh, we had inter- I had intercourse with a woman, and the guy's like, "That's my favorite kind." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just. I think if you're a person calling that one, can you imagine how lonely you would be as a man to call that yeah. and like, just want to talk to a woman on the other end. And then, you know, it's like, it's like a chat over messenger, but it turned out to be a dude. Like, I, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel some kind of way back bad for those guys, but no, um, totally. I, you know, I can, I can imagine this like a level of loneliness, which would drive you to like call a singles line to fucking have any, inner, any human interaction here. Like I, I, I get that a little bit, but Otherwise, yeah, hey, it's at least they're not about. bogging down TELUS or calling the CRA just to that's talk right. to somebody, right? That's, right. That yeah, just, yeah. that's just, you know, that's just holding up the line. But mm-hmm. um, no, that's anyway. Hey, for for dear old Milktoast Tory, um, I think the saga has only just begun. Yeah. Um, I doubt there will be any consequences, nor will there be any shame. I actually think there will be like no shame. Or it's not even like the shame I think is righteous. Like just like, really, dude, that's why you're stepping down? God. Yeah. I, I I think your intuition is going to be right here. I think there's – it's not like he's just going to go away into the wilderness and we'll never hear from him again. No. 
they'll be like, he's going to leverage this in some way. I'm sure there's a PR firm working so hard on this and has already, we're asking questions to which they already have the answers. Like, it's just going to be amazing yes. to us what happens here. But um, my, that's my intuition anyway, that we're going to be like, somehow you and I are going to end up talking about how much we love John Tory later for being, you know, for cheating on his wife. Oh. I, I won't even uh, know why I'm doing it, but, you know, I'm sure it's going to be narrative that a they're TikTok gonna video is going to make me think this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Off oh, the TikTok videos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, you know, John Tory used to do this, but this new mayor, this other guy, he's not good <laughs> right. enough. He eats yeah. babies' souls on the weekends. <laughs> All John like Tory does on the weekends is admit to mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Pizzagate Toronto, like, you know, this new mayor eats children at the back of a pizzeria or something. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like uh, we've sufficiently beat up a few topics here. There, there are quite a few things we've beaten up. So I'm going to end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put a little bow on this one. Because in our last episode, Alex, we challenged, we challenged an, an AI to answer would you rather questions for us. But I forgot which I, to do Which one. I've been on quite a bit more now that we've talked oh, about yeah. it, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah. What, what, meth, heroin, or chat GPT? Besides the, the, meth and chat GPT or GPT-3, yes. So what uh, what I forgot to do was actually task the you know the the AI with we tasked it with answering would you rather we didn't actually task it with generating them and uh, I, I have since and most of them pretty yeah bland, bland like I'm yeah but like, I'm oh, interested how you could even get this, this is, done like yeah. this is grade two level would you rather's <laughs> except one except one. I think one was accidentally secretly horrifying and the AI didn't realize that the comparison it was making was like apples and razor blades. So I mm. hope you're uh, I hope you're ready for this one, Alex. Two of my favorite fruits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially on Halloween. You just got to yeah. combine them. <laughs> so Alex, and this, I'm telling you, this one's there's not a fair comparison here. Okay. Would you rather wear a clown costume every day oh, that's or crazy. have a clown follow you around wherever you go. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just like gun my, my, to a knife fight with that one. Yeah. My brain goes to like uh, uh, the place it, it always goes when we talk about clowns is the fucking Stephen King's it, which yes, which I'll tell you right now, I read that book way too early in my life. Like when I, was, <laughs> when I was 13, that book was all the rage. I read it. I should not have read it, Adam. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have read it. I, I <laughs> fucked up, man. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have read those pages. And it's which what's more fucked up is that I could physically stop reading at any moment, yeah. yet I didn't. I don't like, like that. You know, people are like, Well, why did you keep reading? It's like, I don't know. I couldn't no. stop. Like, you know, I didn't know. I, yeah, when Charlie gets his arm bitten off. It just fucked me right up. Anyway, clearly I'm I'm dressing as a clown because I'm not. There's no fucking way that I'm gonna let a fuck. You know, where's is he watching me? Where is he? I just like there's no way, man. Is he watching me while I'm sleeping? Like this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He I follows just, you around everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Yeah. This is a fucking nightmare, bro. This ChatGPT has literally wake found up and in the yeah. corner, and you're just like. <laughs> this is this is like I just picture I just picture him laughing like <laughs> like that like Tales from the Crypt Keeper style laugh like yeah. fucking all the time yeah yeah, yeah no yeah. this is not good man 
no. I'm going to dress as yeah. a clown. I'm going to dress oh, as my nightmare. Yeah. I, I guess have to. My, new pro- I have to. my new profession no. is clown. clowning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm the, summer pre-med. I'm pre-clown. I'm just, just yeah, that's around. it. Totally. Yeah, I'm just going to make up any excuse to fucking not have a clown follow me around. That's just it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would admit to cheating on my wife so I could resign from a political <laughs> office just so a clown would not follow me not around. <laughs> if you oh are, li- if you're a listener who wants the clown to follow them around, please email us at please email us. for the masses at gmail.com <laughs> so gmail. and tell us yeah. why you're so fucked why? up and damaged. Yeah, I just need yeah. to know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's and yeah. Do you need help? We will help you. <laughs> we'll Bro, find I, the resources. I, I, I will get you resources. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's Housekeeping. It. Let's just uh, tell people where we're at. Um, Let's get it done, man. So you can then, listen to us at Bropium for the Masses on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Podcasts, on any other podcast provider. Other than those, I don't think you can listen to us there. Our RS feeds aren't going to go. You can email us at bropiumforthemasses at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter so that we can watch the communal dumpster fire that is Twitter, Cinder and Burn, together. You can check us out on the Reddits, where we are currently trying to help young men through their relationship problems that often start with, all I did was fart on my girlfriend and now she's being mean. Our comments, <laughs> our winners, team. Um, you can also check out our YouTube channel at Bropium, where we will be releasing short snippets of the podcast, along with repeated video. And what I like to say is just the sweet sculptural rhythms of our voices talking. Alex, mm-hmm. been great chatting with you, man. Any sign offs, buddy? Um. I thought you know what I had something I was saving it and it just totally left my brain. I think it's all this 2020 Malbec for chameleon. I feel honestly I'm a little bit like I'm a little slower from having drank a few glasses of wine while I've been chatting. Alex, I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna say the bougiest, most white boy thing I can possibly think of. Looks like he can't handle his Malbec. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, no, I hope people enjoyed uh, the Aldo episode. I thought, honestly, when I re-listened to the episode, I was like, man, Aldo's smart fucking dude, man. Like, he yeah. really is. Yeah. It was my pleasure to have him on. I also reached out to two people to try and see if they want to do a collaboration. One of them was Emily Radikowski, which I think is like, look, if, if, you got to shoot high. You got to shoot for the moon. And if you, if you oh, miss it. Shoot for the moon. Yeah. Worst case, yeah. we just become a mayor of Toronto. It's, it's fine. Yeah, she has an uh, a podcast out now. That's I'm. I think it's called Emrata Emrata asks or something like that. Anyway, I've listened to a couple of the episodes because she has some interesting guests on. She had uh, a porn, a couple porn stars on to talk about like life after porn and things like that, which I'm kind of interested about. That's sort of a sub. It's porn is so accepted in our culture. To it's so ubiquitous now, but. No one wants to like hire an ex porn star as a nanny, so I think there's this like a big disconnect in that. So I, I've listened to a bunch mm-hmm. of podcasts on that, and I so I just I reached out to her over um, actually Instagram, which probably isn't a great way to do it, but saying, look, we're we're talking about a lot of the same kind of things: toxic masculinity, um, some societal issues. You know, if you ever want to do collaboration. Unsurprisingly, she did not get back to me, but um, tough, tough one. Yeah, yeah. And then, have you seen this girl Pearl? I know we're going a little bit over time here, but I've seen this girl Pearl. 
I don't know. She's this woman all over TikTok. She's this redhead talking about how women have it really good and men have it really bad. Alex, I'm sorry. Is she 75? And mm. is she currently at a uh, swim aerobics class? Um, you're talking about Aquafit? No, she doesn't currently go to Aquafit. She's like yet, probably 30. Pearl. Pearl. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Is um, her no, sister's she's name like, Margie? She's like, she's, I think it's Agnes actually, uh, or Meredith, but, uh, no, she's like this 30 year, I think she's like 30 year old redhead. Who's like all over the internet, uh, Uh, talking about how basically women have it so good and uh, men are the one men have it terrible. Uh, Anyway, she's like, she's an interesting character. I reached out to her to see if she wanted to be on the podcast, but she hasn't even been back yet. That's fine. And if there's one thing I know about being 30, it's that I know how much better, it should be for people than I know for myself because I'm so educated and worldly. I mean, <laughs> That's right. Basically, That's right. I know yeah. everything. Yes. 30 so, is the new uh, I'm 15. You, I can drink all the soda I want. <laughs> you're 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 literally touching on the thing that I want to get out of the podcast for. But anyway, let's let's not show our hand here. Let's not show our hand. Yes, okay. Let's not, yeah, because if she listens to this, which she doesn't, she'll not be <laughs> for a surprise. That's where right. I'm coming from. I'm like, so you're 30. What's it like to be a 50 year old man? No, right? you don't got that word? No. Okay, no. cool. What's it like to uh, have no privilege whatsoever? No. Still so you're a woman. Okay. Why do you hate women so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Anyway, uh, I will uh, a catch on the flip. With, with, wow. I don't know. I'm trying to be. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. yeah. Peace. Peace out, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang 10. Take it easy, <laughs> Joven. Joven. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Have you ever seen good. I Love You, Man? It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Watch of it. course yeah. I have. Okay. <laughs> did, did you just call me jo- Jovin? <laughs> Jovin. Okay. Take it easy, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. See you, brother. Bye.